What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey number episode number 117 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am waiting for my favorite team to fleece your favorite team. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and he is getting ready to become the team, the fan of the team that drafts the phenom, the number one prospect in the last 10 years, Connor Bedard. Frank, how you doing? You notice anything different? Yeah, you switched to your Vegas Golden Knights hat for you were wearing a different hat during the pre-show. I wanted to get your raw reaction on the new hat. Oh, 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 that's the Stanley Cup champion hat. Very, very nice. It finally came in the mail. I believe you said it shipped during the last episode. Yeah, it just shipped the last episode. Took a while to get here, but I expect that with these types of hats. Absolutely. When you got everyone ordering them and they're going all it's over nice the country. Hat. It is a nice hat. Let's it's go. So I'm so happy you got one. I'm so happy you got I like one. The back. Absolutely. You you deserve it. You deserve it. Absolutely. But today's the day, not for the Vegas Golden Knights. But what the is today the day? Well, and with the number one overall pick in the 2023 entry draft. Listen, we're going to dive into predictions and all sorts of stuff, but I'm noticing the lines changing a little bit. Number one, not. No, they don't even have number one on most of the sports books. No, that's how you can't you can't bet on the number one overall pick. Everybody just knows it's going to be Connor Bedard. Kyle Davidson all but said it. It's funny because Victor Wembanyama, there were yeah. odds on him. So yeah, basically see, that they're was saying bad. like, but the odds were like minus 10,000. So they're saying like it's so much of a lock for Bedard. There's no, not even a point of making odds for it. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I did notice, though, the line on Fantilli going second overall yep. took a huge dip this morning. Yeah, there are people that, out there that believe the Anaheim Ducks are going to take somebody not named Adam Fantilli with the second overall pick. Just wild stuff on draft day. Wild yep, stuff on possible. draft day is going on. Possible. It is possible. I still wouldn't call it likely. I still think, you know, I released my mock draft this morning on DeWindyCity.com. You could go read that right now. I went through each and every pick in the first round. And I've done two Hawks-specific mock drafts where I go through the entire thing for the Blackhawks. Um, it's not my job to do that for the Devils. I get paid to talk about the Devils. I don't, I don't get paid as much to write about them. So I write about the Hawks a lot more. Even though the Devils are my favorite team, I talk about the Devils a lot more in terms of podcasting. But... Um, yeah, it's been fun doing this Blackhawks coverage. You know, when they have the number one pick, the number 19 pick, um, the, the draft is probably my – I don't know if it's my favorite sport event of the year, but it's definitely up there. Definitely up there. Sure, yeah. I, I honestly think the four major men's sports in North America, the NHL, the NBA, the MLB, and the NFL, those are the um, – that's the grand slam – of sporting events for podcasters and journalists. I do believe that. This is Today the most is, excited I've been for a draft ever. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. For me, it, it's close between 2017 and 2019. 2017 was the first time I'm experiencing my favorite team have the number one pick. I didn't know who it was going to be. I was back and forth between Nico Heischer and Nolan Patrick for weeks on weeks, and they took Heischer. That was the better pick. Um, he's their captain now, one of their best players, obviously. But um, 
2019, you knew you were getting a slightly better offensive player. So there was a little bit of excitement there, too. And so, you know, I understand the feeling. Very few people know what it's like to be in your shoes more than me. Um, and I'm super happy for you. I think you deserve it. You are a wonderful Blackhawks fan, and so are many of the other great Blackhawks fans around. Connor Bedard's the real deal. He's the truth. I can't wait. I really can't. I saw the Blackhawks schedule was released. Thinking about going to the home opener against the Vegas Golden Knights yep, on October yep, 31st. Yep. There's a lot going on in my head right now. It's a lot to take in. Chicago only has two home games in October, and I would like to go to both. They're good. They're against the Bruins and the Vegas, right? Yep, yeah. yep. And then they play the Devils on November 5th at the United Center. So credit to the Blackhawks. Very excited to see what they do tonight. And we're going to get into that, all that and, you know, much more than just all that you know, later on in the show, but we are going to start the show with what went on on Monday at the NHL awards in period number one. Welcome to period one. Frank, there were some NHL awards given out earlier this week. A couple of them surprising. A couple of them caught me off guard. One in particular caught me way off guard. One, one is unbelievable. But other than that, eh. Yeah, it's pretty chalked the rest of the way. I got two wrong, um, but the one of them that I got wrong, I picked with my heart, and I believe, you know, I stand by that they deserved it, but I also stand by that this guy deserved it probably just a little bit more, one more time, and of course, that's the Selkie Trophy, the award that goes to the best defensive forward, the forward that shows off the best defensive skills, and that was one for the sixth time by Patrice Bergeron of the Boston Bruins Frank no surprise no surprise you know I mean there was a little piece of me like maybe they give it to Nico because are they really going to give Bergeron another selkie but hey if you're the best defensive forward you're the best defensive forward whether you win it five times six times 22 times doesn't matter I mean, and, and the way the Bruins season went this year, it, it kind of made sense. Now he extends the NHL record to six Selkie awards. He also won it back to back for this is now his second time in his career. He won it back to back in 2013, 14 and 2014, 15. Um, I mean, he's just a beast. And not only is he one of the best defensive forwards in the NHL or in NHL history, I mean, he's a masterpiece to watch, but he was also second in faceoff percentage right behind Jonathan Taves at 61.1%, which obviously that plays a huge role. If you're winning faceoffs, you're giving your team more puck possession time. Um, he deserves it, and there's really no surprise there. 195 ballots were taken for the Selkie Trophy, and Patrice Bergeron was the number one vote getter on 187 of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Nico Heischer received three first place votes mitch marner received three first place votes jordan Stahl of the carolina hurricanes re- received one and andre kopitar of the los angeles kings received two one thing large gap between bergeron and Heischer for first and second place um pretty large gap between second and third as well nico Heischer won that came in second place by a wide margin mitch marner came in third with 480 points, and then Jordan Stahl, 429, Kopitar, 428, Mike Mikhail Backlund of the Calgary Flames, very good season for him, 322 points, but Nico Heischer was 804, almost double what Marner had in third place, and then Bergeron doubled up Heischer at 1,900 points. 
So yeah. pr pretty, pretty hefty win for Bergeron. I'm happy he sure came in second by a wide margin. I think this award could be his two or three times throughout his NHL career. Absolutely. I really listen. Marner's great defensively, but I didn't think he had any chance at all. If there was an upset, it was going Nico. I believe Marner's the only winger in the top 12 here. There is just nowhere. Wingers don't win it. That's why Hosa never won one. Um, Patrick Eliash never won one. Mark Stone has never won one, but he's they, all three of those guys, I believe, have been nominated. Mm -hmm. So. You know, hard for wingers. You don't play the full 200 game. But, you know, I think Mitch Marner coming in third speaks to his defensive play as a winger for sure. I think uh, our friend Alexander Barkov will compete with Nico Heischer. Once Bergeron's done, I think our friend Barkov, who came in eighth, um, 10 second place votes, seven third place votes, nine fourth place votes, and 10 fifth place votes. I think our friend Barkov, if he puts up a couple more points as the years go along here and starts to get fully healthy again, I think he will be battling with Nico for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, like to see Rupe Hints on there too. And Sidney Crosby got a couple votes as well. So good for those guys. Um, we move on to the trophy that I think we both, we both picked wrong. And maybe we both picked with our hearts because we both picked a top five most talked about player on this show. We both picked Jack Hughes to win the Lady Bing trophy, which mm -hmm. goes to the um, NHL player that, Exuber, I don't know what word I'm looking for. That shows off the most gentlemanly conduct on the ice. Um, basically, the guy who doesn't get in fights, doesn't take too many penalties, doesn't muck it up too much. Um, Andre Kopitar of the Los Angeles Kings came in first place. He won the trophy, 1,100 points. Um, Jack Hughes came in second, not far behind, 934 points. He received 41 first-place votes for the award, and then everybody else is in the teens or lower for first-place votes. They gave third place to Braden Point. Um, one thing I did want to note, I do think it is pretty cool that Nico Heischer, he did come in ninth place, um, and Jesper Blatt came in 12th place. Um, the closest Hawk reference I can find in the top 20 is Mark andre Fleury, who came in 20th. He received one first-place vote, which is rare. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, i just still trying to wrap my head around this one. I just – it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, all of the nominees are very deserving. They all took not that many penalties, right? Andre Kopitar out of the three took the least amount of penalties. But even Jack Hughes with six penalty minutes, like – you had 99 points and you had 43 goals and you still only like you're that you're contributing that much. And you only took six penalty minutes. Whereas Kopitar did lead the Kings in scoring, but he only had 78 points, which is just confusing to me. It just, it shows me that voters take into consideration who had the least amount of penalty minutes, because if you're, you're not taking into any scoring ability or scoring aspect, because if you are Jack, Hughes should have won this hands down. So going forward, when I make my predictions, I'm just going to go with whoever had the least amount of penalty minutes because to me, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's least amount of penalty minutes for somebody who had 50 points or more. I think if some bum had, you know, if a 40 point no, player, no, had no, right, right, right. two penalty, oh, it's amongst the league's leading scorers um, who has the least amount of, but I get what you're saying. Totally. I also nothing think Jack Hughes could have done to win this award then like there's like, it doesn't make sense. 
Do you also think there's a chance that Kopitar, two-time Stanley Cup champion, multiple-time Selkie trophy winner, plays such a good defensive game? In order to play such a good defensive game, you're going to take some penalties every now and again, you would think, like, you know, hooking and tripping and slashing. All those things do come with playing defense in the NHL, and Kopitar didn't do that. I mean, I know Jack Hughes, he led the league – or he led the Devils in takeaways. I'm pretty sure he was amongst the league leaders in takeaways, and sometimes if you're a takeaway machine, you're going to get a stick up high – you're going to slash someone's hands by accident every now and again. It happens. You, how many times do we see Datsuk in the penalty box? I mean, Datsuk was a Lady Bing Award winner, I guess, a couple times, too. I guess that's what made him the magician. But I remember, like, pe people, you, you take one on the hands every now and again, and you get a penalty. Um, but, hey, Kopitar, he got it done. He has a little bit more respect. Jack Hughes will build that up. Jack Hughes, if not this year, I think he, the same he's building that up. Against, about Jack Hughes, like, if you're out there that much contributing that often, you got to be on the ice a lot, which in reality, you're going to take more penalties the more often you're out there on the ice. Yeah, 100%. And to score, you kind of have to get into like That's penalty areas. That doesn't make sense at all. It really, I can't like justify it. No, yeah. I'm, I wasn't a fan of that. I thought Jack Hughes would be the one devil that took home an award, but it's for not. It's second place. Um, two, two players on the devils come in second place. There's actually another second place finish from the devils organization, couple, uh, awards down the line here, but you know, you got the Calder trophy pretty much nailed this one from day one this season. Yeah. Me and you were both high on him. I was high on him. You got into college hockey a little bit more this year. Mm -hmm. Um, probably due to the show, but I am a fan of what Matty Benders has done all season long, and he won the Calder Trophy as the league's top rookie. Talk a little bit about the Seattle Kraken forward. Well, he led rookies in goals. That's a huge accomplishment, obviously, if you want to win the Calder. He had 24 goals. He led rookies in points with 57, and he was second in rookie assists with 33. It's actually the first time a player won the Calder Trophy in an expansion franchise's second year since Peter Stastny did it with the Nordiques. Um, in 80-81. The voting actually wasn't close. He had 160 first place votes and it was all well deserved. You know, he helped the Kraken lead uh he helped lead the Kraken to their first ever postseason berth. And if you look at this year compared to their first year when he only played 10 games their first year, Seattle had 19 extra wins and 40 extra points in the standings when Beniers um contributed more this year to the team. Um, like I said, only played in 10 games previous year. And he actually stated that by only playing in 10 games last season, it really prepared him as it gave him a better idea of what playing against NHL NHL players would be like. Just goes to show you how important it is to get your feet wet in the NHL, even if it's not for that long of a time. So very well deserved there. I'm happy for him. Had this pegged all the way from early on in the season, the way he was playing, just it just wasn't matched. Absolutely. And I love seeing former college hockey players succeed in the NHL. That's obviously the case here with Ben years winning the Calder trophy. Um, Wyatt Johnson came in fifth place of the Dallas stars. Very, very good season for him, college hockey player. And then same thing. I really, really like um, uh, Jack Quinn's game of the Buffalo Sabres. He, he got three fifth place votes. So he only got three points to come in 12th, but still, I, you know, it was a great year for him and I love seeing all these guys credit to Stuart Skinner too. I know he struggled a little bit in the second round of the playoffs against the Vegas Golden Knights, but guess what? So did Bobrovsky. 
who had a, a standing playoff until he got to Vegas. I really think Stuart Skinner has a chance to become a very good NHL goalie. The fact that he was um, Edmonton's top dog for most of the year speaks volumes about it as a rookie. Um, and um, another college player I actually didn't even touch on, Owen Power. He came in third place. He got 60 second-place votes, though, and 61 third-place votes. So you'd like to think that you know he's going to be a really, really good player for years to come. I'm not sure what his offensive stealing is. Owen Power, because he like a 50-point guy, a 60-point guy, but just as an all-around defenseman, he's wonderful, and he's going to be right there with Rasmus Dahlin for the top defenseman on the Buffalo Sabres for a really long time. Mm-hmm. The biggest lock of any award, in my opinion, nah, besides the Hart Trophy, was Linus Allmark winning the Vezina Trophy. Um, outstanding year with the Boston Bruins. Um just total, total domination all season long. Um, I really, I nobody saw this coming. But also when you look at the other numbers uh, from Linus Allmark's career, he was pretty good in Buffalo. And nobody really kind of realized it. Um, he received 22 first place votes, which second best Ilya Sorokin got three. And then Connor Hellebuck and UC Saros each got two. Hellebuck barely edged out Saros to get his name on the graphic as a nominee. Um, but Ottinger, Vasilevsky, Georgiev, and Shesterkin are the other goalies that all received at least a fifth or a third. They do first, second, third for goalies instead of one, two, three, four, five. Um, but, you know, shout out to Linus Allmark. Shout out to Ilya Sorokin. All these goalies are fantastic. Would love to have any one of them. I do think goaltending is down in the NHL as a whole. There's not seven or eight dominant guys. Well, I guess there are seven or eight. There used to be more than that, it feels like, though. There, you know, I feel like every team used to have, like, a number one guy. It's really not the case anymore. A lot of teams doing the 60-40 thing for starting um, how many games you're starting, or 60-30, I guess it would be, whatever. Um, 55, whatever the remainder is. I'm not good at math, but these gentlemen right here, they dominated most of the season. Congrats to Linus Allmark. Yeah, and you know, he's also Swedish-born, and not a lot of Swedish-born goalies had luck winning the Vezina in their career. Henrik Lundqvist was the latest in 2012 with the Rangers. And then before that, you have to go all the way back to 1985, where it was Pelle Lindbergh um, with the Flyers. So they're, they're the only three now, Allmark, Lindbergh, and Lundqvist, to win, a Swedish-born player to win the Vezina. 40 wins this season, tied for the league lead. Um, he had the best save percentage, 938, best goals against 189. I mean, if you go back to our very early predictions when you asked who I thought would win the Vezina, you could find it. I said I think it's going to be Lena Salmark, and just the way that they were playing, the way the Bruins were playing, it just it, it was a lock. Absolutely, and you know that's two major awards won by the Bruins here. Um, there is a third one that comes up. I wrote it wrong on the sheet, and I just realized that now. What a dummy I am! I knew I, like you. Were. <laughs> yeah, I know you knew what I meant, but I'm I'm a little surprised that like I let it get this far without realizing that I wrote the wrong you name. You just really wanted Lindy Ruff to win. <laughs> I really, really wanted Lindy Ruff to win, but I knew I knew he had no chance. I literally I thought he'd come in third. He comes in second though. Um, Jim Montgomery of the Boston Bruins. I mean, you lead a team to the all-time greatest NHL season. I'm not really all that surprised that you win the coach of the year. So Jim Montgomery, he is your coach of the year. He received 79. First place votes. Lindy Ruff received one and Dave Haxtall received one and Bednar in Colorado received one. Even though Bruce Cassidy came finished ahead of Bednar, it was because of second and third place votes. 
Um, my guess is somebody in Colorado decided to throw Bednar a, a bone, and I'm sure there's one New York, New Jersey reporter that gave it to Lindy. Same thing in Seattle, too. So, But most of the league decided that Jim Montgomery was the coach of the year, and guess what? I agree. I'm not surprised Lindy Ruff finished in second place, though. I mean, you, you have the biggest turnaround in franchise NHL history, and, I mean, you're deserving to win coach of the year. But, I mean, it's hard to have the best record of all time in the regular season and not take home this award. So I, I get where they're coming from. The Bruins also, I didn't realize this till I read it, they were the fourth team ever in the modern era, which dates back to 1943-1944, to lead the division all season. They did not lose the division lead at any point in the season. That's did pretty you know, sweet. That is insane. They're the fourth did team not ever. Because, like, you figure you lose the first game and you're you're not in the lead of the division. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're 0-1 and, and somebody's 1-0. That didn't happen. They never lost the division lead the whole season. They also went out we, – we talked about this a bunch of times. They had the 14-game home winning streak to start the regular season, which was the most all-time. And they had five winning streaks of at least seven games or more. It's unbelievable. Um, and I didn't know this, but three and a half years ago, Jim Montgomery struggled with alcohol abuse. And he said that by winning this trophy, it was a personal accomplishment for him. It had extra meaning because it showed that anyone could turn their life around. And he was just glad to have another chance to coach in the NHL. So I thought that was cool. I didn't know um, he battled with that years ago. But congrats to Jim Montgomery. Well-deserved. Yeah. Do you not remember when he got mysteriously fired by the Dallas Stars? I don't. Was that the Dallas 20? I want to say it was, was 2019. the Cup? Yes, I think actually. Then, 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 yeah, then I do remember that. But it was like early in the season. All of a sudden, randomly. I, yeah, I remember that. But all of a sudden, why. randomly, he got fired. And it was like, well, why is Jim Montgomery fired? He, you know, Dallas is in top spot, one of the top spots in the Central Division. Sagan and Ben are on fire. This team's unreal. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, their coach is proud. You knew it wasn't anything hockey related. And then it was also during that time where, like, guys were getting canned for saying, like, horrible things to players and stuff. And I was like, well, is Jim Montgomery, like, you know, one of those guys? And then it ended up just being he had um, some issues with alcohol abuse, and he's come back and been amazing. So credit to him. He's a great coach, and I'm so excited to see what happens with the Boston Bruins next season because they're going to look a little different. There's no mm -hmm. doubt about that. Um, Frank Steven Stamkos, one of our favorite players, one of my favorite players of all time. He took home the Mark Messier award that goes to the player who shows the most leadership qualities, both on and off the ice. Um, few captains in the NHL have had the success on the ice just as much as they've had it off the ice. Steven Stamkos does a lot of things for the Ronald McDonald organization in Tampa yeah. Bay and, you know, donating to charity and all sorts of great things for people in the community. And that just goes on top of being a Hall of Fame level player, captain and centerman. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I have a little piece here I want to read about the Ronald McDonald's for people that if you don't know what he does off the ice. Um, Stamkos has supported the Ronald McDonald House Charities of Tampa Bay for more than 10 years. He's donated hundreds of thousands of dollars through the Lightning's Player Ticket Initiative to help families attend games. He also has helped generate an additional $185,500 for the Ronald McDonald House through the Goals and Assist Program, which awards money for on-ice production. Stamkos and his wife even asked guests at their wedding to donate to the Ronald McDonald House Charities in Tampa Bay instead of giving them gifts. The two have raised $50,000 for the Humane Society of Tampa Bay with the Barks and Bolts players and pet calendar. So he's done a lot 
off the ice. On the ice, I mean, he's given a lot of credit to Marty St. Louis and Vincent LeCavalier. Um, When he got to Tampa, he was only 18 years old. So he had mature players around him that he said rubbed off on him over the past 15 years. He's been the captain for 10 years. I mean, you've seen what he's done on the ice as a captain. Um, I mean, he's just, he's been a natural leader ever since he put, he got the C put on his chest. And actually I thought it was pretty funny that Mark Messier told Stamkos that he won the award a while back a few weeks ago. And Stamkos kind of had to keep it under wraps for a while and couldn't say anything. But, uh, yeah, he also became the first Lightning player to ever win this award. So congrats to Steven Samkos. I love him. I, he's one of my favorite players in the NHL, so congrats to him. Yeah, we're a big Stamkos podcast. Ten years ago Ten was years that ago. day? Yeah. I will, ne- I will never forget that day as long as I live. I'm at ECC, Elgin Community College, for those of you who don't know, where it all started for VP in his career. Um, sitting there. I read on my phone. So months prior, Martin St. Louis, Tampa Bay's captain, was traded to the New York Rangers for Ryan Callahan. And Stamkos comes back from breaking his leg. And there's a C on his sweater when he returns to action. I cannot believe we're approaching the 10-year mark of that. That is unbelievable. Absolutely. We're old, man. It's crazy. But the stuff he's done off the ice, too. Yeah. I mean, Stamkos is a legend. He's a borderline statue player in Tampa oh, yeah. Bay. Um, Christopher Letang, he's go- he won the Masterton Trophy. That goes to the player who most demonstrates perseverance and dedication to hockey. Um, that is for sure something that Christopher Letang deserves. And, you know, you saw this season he – dealt with the passing of his father, and he also had another stroke, not just his first. He had a second stroke this season, and it caused him to miss the Winter Classic. He's dealing with this personal thing that's going on off the ice with losing his father, and he really didn't miss a beat in terms of his play other than the couple games that he missed dealing with all these things. I mean, the guy is just obsessed with playing hockey. He's obsessed with playing hockey at a high level, and he gives his entire fiber of his being to this great game. Yeah, so last week when we were doing predictions, we didn't predict the Masterson, the Masterton Award, but I had it written down, my prediction, and my prediction was Chris Letang because of everything he went through this year. Um, he Like you said, he suffered his second stroke of his career, and then he returned back to action only 12 days later. And in his first game back, he led the Penguins in ice time with 22 minutes and 14 seconds and a 3-1 to win against the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, you can't control what life throws your way, but it's all about the way you bounce back from events like this, like events that Latang faced, and he did so beautifully. So if there is a man that is deserving of this award, they all were, but I, I would have voted for Chris Latang as well. That would have been my prediction. I mean, what he did this year is just truly remarkable. I agree. And like they were saying some of the stories of the players that were nominated, like the Clayton Keller thing, breaking his whatever. And that's a really hard injury to come back from at all. And not only did he come back from it, he had an 80 point year with a really bad team in the Arizona Coyotes. I mean, you know, all sorts of great stories across the board when it comes to these nominees. But Christopher Letang absolutely deserved it. And I'm super happy for him. I hope the Penguins get back into the playoffs next year. I really do. Um, We'll see what happens with that. But um well, well deserved. We've talked about him a bunch on this show, and we're going to continue to do so. 
Um, speaking of very good defensemen, especially ones that were top defensemen maybe like six, seven, eight years ago, Eric Carlson found the fountain of youth this season, and he was the first 100-point defenseman in multiple decades, and that earned him the Norris Trophy for the third time in his Hall of Fame career. Kind of chalk. Extremely chalk. You don't get 100 points and then not win the Norris, especially when only six defensemen in NHL history have reached the century mark. I mean, you're not going to get 100 points and not get it. Um, it's kind of funny that he's gone eight years in between Norris trophies. Paul Coffey holds the longest in between record at nine years in between Norris trophies. Um, Eric Carlson, eight years, but to do all of what he did and to reach a hundred points at 32 years of age is just incredible on a team that sucked with the sharks. I mean, Carlson stated that, you know, his window in the NHL in the sharks window doesn't line up with one another. And he is hopeful that the Sharks will be able to trade him to a team that he believes will win a Stanley Cup or at least be a contender as soon as next season so he can get the opportunity he wants to compete for a championship. I thought those were very interesting comments, but I'm not surprised. He will be traded. I'll be stunned if he's not. And the Sharks will retain half of his $11 million contract. Whatever new team gets him, we'll get him at about $6 million. Um, You know, five point whatever. I'm not very good at math. I've said that many times. Um, but he'll he'll be a contributor. Will he have 100 points again? I don't know. It depends on the team. It depends on his health. But this year was the first year with the Sharks where he really looked like healthy Ottawa version of um, Eric Carlson. And, man, they lost Timo Meyer halfway through the season to the Devils in a trade, and that didn't slow down his production at all. You'd think yeah. a big power forward that banks in some of these rebounds from the blue line. Timo Meyer is amazing at standing in front of the net and tipping in Eric Carlson shots or – you know, putting in rebounds off the goalie pad from a shot from Eric Carlson. When he went to go do it for Dougie Hamilton or Luke Hughes instead, it became, you know, somebody else on the Sharks that was just the beneficiary of things that were going on with Eric Carlson. And he's unbelievable, and I can't wait to see what team he plays for next year. There are a couple teams that come to mind. We could talk about this for a second here because I love Eric Carlson. It wouldn't shock me if the New York Rangers make a push for Eric Carlson. I don't really think the Boston Bruins want to afford him. They probably could now, but I don't think they want to afford him. They probably got some other areas of the ice that they want to get covered. I know we always think Vegas can't afford people, and then they find a way to be in the mix on literally everyone under the sun. It wouldn't shock me if he went back to Ottawa. What if um, he went to Detroit? Detroit was a team I was absolutely going to name. Because now you're trading them to the opposite conference in a team that the window would match up with Eric Carlson. I I, I think there's a good chance maybe Detroit. Ottawa is a good one. Yeah, Ottawa is a good one. Going back Uh, there would be cool. Florida. Florida could be in the mix. Maybe. I don't think the Devils can afford him. Maybe if you asked me yesterday. No, yeah, no. But, like... I also like they don't need him. They'd probably rather spend that money elsewhere. Um, yeah, there are a bunch of teams that will be in the mix for just a stud muffin like Eric Carlson. Absolutely. Handsome, handsome devil, too. Yeah, I like so that's Eric sweet. Carlson. That's Swedish. That Swedish flow. Although his, his hair has been short for a while. Maybe that's the key. Older Eric Carlson needs the short hair. Could be. Remember when he was with Ottawa and it was probably just a tad bit shorter than yours? Like it was long when he was in but Ottawa. But he, but he had, uh, but he won a Norris, two Norrises with long hair. Yeah, but once you get older, you got to cut your hair. That's true. Like he, long hair is a young man's thing. You're still a young man. Eric Carlson's like eight years older than you. That's true. <laughs> 
Frankie's like, well, I'm going to have long hair when I'm 32. It's going to be rad. It's going to be rad, dude. You'll get at least one haircut before then. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Then, Frank, that ends with the alien, the alien of the NHL. One of the greatest players who ever lived. Every other player could only hope to hold Connor McDavid's jockstrap. He won the Ted Lindsay Award, which is voted by the players for the best, most outstanding player in the NHL. And then the Hart Trophy, which is the league MVP that is awarded to the player voted most valuable to his team. He accepted the Ted Lindsay Award as the first award given out the entire night. And he kind of shit on the Hart Trophy when accepting it because he made it clear that it's more... It's more impactful in his brain to win this award voted by the players. It's the most important trophy that they gave give out were his exact words. Mm-hmm. And, you know, clearly it means more to some people to w- be recognized by your peers than a bunch of, you know, hockey journalists like us who just put some names down on paper after watching from our couch all season long. Um, but, hey, Connor McDavid, he takes them both. It's very rare to not take them both. Um, but. I think there was a year McDavid won the Ted Lindsay, but Taylor Hall won the Hart Trophy. He did because he only has three hearts and four Ted Lindsays. <laughs> only has three hearts. <laughs> <laughs> That's comedy. Dude might legit end up with like eight or nine. And listen, he's already out well on his way to being the best player ever. There's like he'll probably reach a thousand points next year or the year after. And it'll if it's the year after, it'll be early the year after. Um you know my feelings about Ovechkin breaking the goal record? McDavid will hit 1,000 points first, though, which is just incredible to think about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's crazy. The dude's just unreal. Talk about McDusty. Yeah, four Ted Lindsays, three Hart Trophies. He already won his fifth Art Ross this year, and he won the Rocky Richard for the first time. So he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of medals there, a lot of uh, trophies in his uh, arsenal. 850 points, 569 games played. He's actually the first player to win all four trophies since Ovechkin in 2008 when Ovechkin won all the Ted Lindsay, the Hart, the Art Ross, and the Rocket Richard. And I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm like 95% sure those are the only two players to ever do it, which is a little surprising to me because, I don't know. To me, if you win the Art Ross and the Rocket Richard in one year, you're probably going to win the Ted Lindsay or the Hart, but not necessarily. Obviously not, if they're the only two players to ever do it. But I thought that was pretty fascinating as well. I mean, he's got 850 points in 569 games. Yeah. 800 and how many? 569. No, 800. 850? On the dot. There's a chance in April of next year he hits a thousand. He'd have points. to have another 150 point season, which I'd be stunned if he doesn't, because Edmonton's power play is not going to get worse. Mm-hmm. It might get better. They're going to have Tyson Berry for the whole year, or not Tyson Berry, uh, Matthias Ekholm for the whole year, right? Is he not a free? He's not a free agent, is he? But they also have that absolute bomb clapper, um, Evan Bouchard. He helped McDavid big time on the power play this year. You know what Dreisaitl does? I'm not sure Nugent Hopkins is going to have 60 power play points again. But, I mean, you know, unreal level production from him. Yeah. Um, We'll see if, you know, I'm sure a full season of healthy Vander Kane will help. You know, McDavid, he really might. He really might. He did not lead the league in even strength points. Something not a lot of people realize. Mm-hmm. Like they they are merchants on the power play, which is not a diss at all. 
you help your team win by scoring power play goals and creating power play goals. McDavid's the best ever. Um, I I do think there's a chance he breaks it late next season. And if he doesn't break it next year, he'll probably be anywhere from 10 to zero points shy. And the following year, he'll break it in October. Mm-hmm. Not break, not really breaking it. Reaching a thousand points isn't breaking it, but um, I think it'll help his overall like reception and being compared to some of the all-time greats. If he does reach a thousand next year, before he even like reaches the six hundred game mark or whatever, or the I guess the seven hundred game mark, um, McDavid is just unreal. He's deserving of all the praise. Um, Penelope Roberto says, I heard a rumor that Chicago is moving the pick. That sounds like something somebody named Penelope Roberto would say. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because Kyle Davidson said nobody's even come up to him about trying to get the number one pick. No one wants to look like an idiot. Yeah, it would never happen. This is a dumb comment. I, I, I like, mean, you're not even worrying me with that comment, Frank. Like, I'm not worried at all. I mean, I'm always it- worried. Just because, like, what if they didn't? I'm, I'm just until it happens. Like, it's just me. Like, you know, like you never know. Like, but what, what can happen? Would you trade the first overall pick for Austin Matthews, the Leafs first next year, Timothy Lilligren, Morgan Riley, and William Nylander? I don't know. Probably. Not. I would not. I would absolutely not. I, I, if you want my honest opinion, I think he's going to be better than Austin Matthews. It's possible. Would I you really... trade? Would you trade him for McKinnon, Rantanen, and Colorado's first next year? No, I wouldn't either. I would not either. I think it would take McDavid, a first, Nugent Hopkins. Probably Yamamoto, probably Evan Bouchard. Like it, it would take a lot. There's a reason. There's no odds on him. Like it's just gonna happen. Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, and Luke Hughes. You I probably would, would not. I probably would not make that trade if I were the Devils. Because only because, like one player doesn't win you. I was the Hawks. See, I don't either though. That's the thing. You gotta if you're the Hawks, you wanna build around Bedard. If you're the Devils, you don't want to lose all three of those pieces. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know. Like would the Dallas Stars trade Rupe Hints, um, frickin' Robertson next year's first, and Tyler Sagan's bathwater for Connor Bedard? No, they absolutely would not. Thank you, Thomas Gage. Thomas Gage out of the woodworks to say happy Bedard Day, boys. Oh, yeah. It's a very happy Bedard Day. Yeah. Connor Bedard loves Marvel. Um, I got to tell you something before I forget this because I don't know because I thought of Bedard us sharing the same birthday. You share the same birthday with the highly prospect in this year's. I was going to bring that up, too. I realized it yesterday. Matt May Mitchkov. So. Yeah, we looked up to see how old he was, and then we saw his birthday, December 9th, and I was like, no way. That's hilarious. I'm getting a Mitchkov jersey. I hope the Sharks uh, – we'll get to that. We will get to that. He should go second. <laughs> I had to um, bring it up so I didn't forget it. He should – every team not named Chicago is going to regret it. I'm telling you. I'm so telling you. We will get there, though. Um, but, yeah, I don't really think Bedard – because the teams, what a team would have to give up for Kyle Davidson would, to accept, they wouldn't want to do. Because I do stand by. Like, McDavid hasn't won the cup. 
McDavid has the second best player in the league on his team in a lot of people's opinion. At least a top five player. Leon Draisaitl is a top five player. Some people have him second. I would put him fourth. I go right now. I go McDavid, McKinnon, Matthews, Draisaitl, and then I probably put Hughes right not far after. Um, but um, I. I think it's crazy. Uh, Thomas Gage said Bedard is 17, so he's allowed to like Marvel. Marvel are it's adult movies, so go back and watch them, Thomas Gage. Um, <laughs> that is Bedard, funny, That was funny. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, uh, Skokes puts it perfectly. They're building with Bedard. Um, anyone else isn't fitting our timeline. That It's just it's, – it's a non-convert – I mean, it is a fun conversation, but it's a non-driving conversation for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Frank, I think it's time we get into the NHL news of the day, of the week, of the year. Some of the biggest news cycle stretch that the Hawks have had, or for that any team has had, the entire league has had, excuse me, probably since around this time last year. So we will get to that in period number two. Welcome to period two, where we will discuss all of the latest happenings in the National Hockey League. And congrats again one more time to all the winners of the NHL awards this year. Um, Frank, right before the NHL awards went down, there was a huge trade in the NHL. One team decided to dump a bunch of cap space. One team decided to acquire a winger whose offensive numbers are down, but his speed is up. And his production can be outstanding if put in the right situation. Of course, Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno were traded to the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for the negotiating restricted free agent rights of Ian Mitchell and Alec Ragula. Your thoughts? Well, Blackhawks get Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno. Hall's got two years left at his $6 million per year contract, and they signed Nick Foligno for one year at $4 million. You know, me and Kyle Davidson had the same mindset because Kyle Davidson says, I think the ability to acquire two veteran players in the NHL is really important for our team building uh, for our team building concept and the development of our young players right now, the Hawks need veteran pieces. They just do. Everybody on the team is young. We got rid of everybody who's older. They're now, I, I looked it up. They're the two oldest players on the team right now. Um, I think, Connor Murphy came in like right there. He was like a year younger than Taylor Hall. But these are like, I'm so excited. These pieces they have on the Blackhawks, like, yeah, Taylor Hall is not having 93 points like he did on the Devils. But I mean, he's still the production's there. He could be a 20 goal scorer. He could pop 20 goals easily at 16 with the Bruins. You don't know how him playing with Bedard or with these young guys is going to maybe it, he'll find the fountain of youth. Um, you don't know. But everybody's young on this team, and it's hard to build a winning culture without some sort of veterans. I mean, we saw the Devils go out and get Andre Palat. I mean, you need veteran players with young cores. And right now, I mean, I just you, you never know what's going to happen with a team like this. So adding them into the puzzle right now, I think it's going to be a very fun year. I think Hall gets 70 points. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I do. I hope. I hope you're right. Because, like, I think Toffoli can get 80. with. The, we'll get to that in a minute. But he could get 80. Like, and he had a better year last year than Hall, but I don't know if he's a better overall player. He's definitely not a better skater. And I think being able to skate and pass is something that will help Mr. Bedard. Because Bedard, a lot of people are going to think, like, oh, the number one pick, the number one pick in the draft is always, you know, 
a playmaker, right? Almost every year, it's always a playmaker. Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Connor McDavid. We thought Austin Matthews was more of a playmaker when he was in junior. The goal scoring kind of caught a lot of people by off guard. Connor Bedard's goal scoring isn't going to catch a lot of people off guard. He is a shoot-first mentality player that can also have 60 assists by accident because he's so good and so talented and has such high hockey IQ that I could see Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall's finishing is down. His shooting percentage has gone up and his shoot his finishing percentage has gone down. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's not the best. You know, his, his shooting percentage was as high as it was when he scored 39 goals with the Devils. He scored more goals with the Devils than I thought he was going to. And it's come down since. I think he will be more of the facilitator on the line with Connor Bedard. And if they put him with someone like Lucas Reichel or, you know, somebody else who they might sign in free agency in a couple weeks here on July 1st, um, hint, hint, Max Domi came out today, not re-signing with the Dallas Stars. He'll be a free agent on July 1st. Um, that's something to keep an eye on. But I think Hall with Bedard, I think Hall could absolutely get 70 points. I'm not saying it's like a lock. You know, they didn't acquire four or five years ago Taylor Hall. Um, but if he can really get the motor going and be motivated to play with Bedard, Taylor Hall's he was a number one pick in 2010. And since 2010, he has played with Nail Yakupov, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Connor McDavid, Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes, Rasmus Dahlin, and now Connor Bedard. The dude is a first overall pick, and he loves playing with first overall picks, clearly. Isn't it funny that, like, He's now been on the Devils, Bruins, and the Hawks. Like, that's happened with a few players. Yeah. It is wild. It is funny. Thomas Gates says, Tyler Johnson, I thought was the oldest. No, Tyler Johnson's only 32. Nick Foligno's 35. We got Grandpa on the team. Yeah, Nick Foligno's an old man. Nick Foligno's been a captain. And, you know, he was the captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets. People might remember when the last time the NHL did the fantasy draft for the All-Star game, it was Team Foligno versus Team Taves. Mm Mm-hmm. And now Taves is gone and Felino's here. Go figure. That's funny. Um, yeah, funny how things work out sometimes. But, yeah, that's a big move. I think Felino, he probably won't play in the top six. I know there were some people drawing up lines that had Felino as, like, a, a tough guy net front presence on a line with Hall and Bedard. I don't see that. I don't think that's a good idea. Maybe as a net front on a power play or something like that. But he's out there. He's there to provide leadership. And if somebody looks at Bedard funny, then you'll have to deal with Felino. But um, I, I don't think uh, you know it's going to happen in terms of playing with each other. But it, it's a great trade for the Blackhawks all around. The Bruins they relieve cap. They add two right-handed defensemen um, that are young. I really think Ian Mitchell's ceiling is still high. I think he'll thrive playing there with Jim Montgomery, who was his coach at Denver in college. Um, not big on Regula though. Yeah, he's all right. Yeah, I, if one of the two is going to hit with the Bruins, I would think it's Ian Mitchell. I agree. Um, but we shall see. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to add about. Eh, who cares? Oh, the Blackhawks defense on the right side organizationally took a big hit by losing Regula and Ian Mitchell. But for Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno, who really cares? Like, I think the Blackhawks are going to address the right side of the defense. in Organizationally, in this year's draft, I see them drafting at least two players who are right-handed D. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, huge trade also. Probably even a bigger trade. No, I don't know if it's a bigger trade. It's up there, though. 
between the Los Angeles Kings and the Montreal Canadiens, Leite Habitan, um, the Blue Blanc and Rouge have traded Pierre Luc. Er, excuse me. I don't know why I wrote Habs. I meant Jets. I know what you meant again. <laughs> what an idiot I am! Because it was the Habs that almost acquired him. Yeah, it was the between the Kings and the Habs. Yeah. The, the Winnipeg Jets didn't send him to the Blue Blanc et Rouge. They sent him to the Los Angeles Kings in exchange for an absolute haul. I think the Jets made out like bandits in this trade. I like Pierre-Luc Dubois going to the Kings. They have nice center depth now, and he signs an eight-year extension with them, and he's going to be there for a long time. Great player. The Kings are getting a good player. I just can't believe what they got. gave up to get this guy. Absolutely unreal. They, they gave up a lot. Alex Ayafalo, Filardi, Kapari, and the 2024 second-round draft pick. I'm not a fan, though, of the contract that he signed. I mean, I could be proven wrong, but it seems just a tad too hefty. Eight years at eight and a half million. I mean, I would have been fine like at seven and a half million, but eight and a half million for a man who's never reached 70 points in his career, that's tough. And like, you got him locked up now. Like, if he doesn't, that's your pill to swallow. I mean, but you figure you got a talented roster. You got Quentin Byfield, Kevin Fiala. Uh, Arthur Kellyev, Anze Kopitar, Adrian Kempe. I mean, insert him into this lineup, and maybe bigger things will blossom for him. Who knows? But I'm not a fan of the contract from the naked eye right now. No. And listen, I do think – so we always say for offensive players, like uh, a million per 10, right? Mm-hmm. million per 10, million per 10. We've said it on this show a thousand times. Pierre-Luc Dubois is an elite two-way centerman. Absolutely. He's very good defensively. So are they paying him a little extra for a little less offense but more defense? Yes. And on a team like the Kings, who are young and they're looking to take the next step, Kopitar is not going to be there forever. Um, I think there are worse contracts out there. I'm very mid on it right now. You know, I don't love it. I think it could hurt them later on, especially if Pierre-Luc Dubois, which he's known to do so far in his career. Half mil? I'm worried that in two years he goes, I want out. He He's done that twice. He did it in Columbus, and now he's done it in Winnipeg. Um, we do have a bit of breaking news. Skokes? Yes, what Skokes says. The Golden Knights are trading Riley Smith to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a third-round draft pick. One of the original Golden Misfits has moved on. Stanley Cup champion to the Pittsburgh Penguins, Riley Smith. We knew it was coming. Something. Yeah, they have we to shed something. cap yeah. space. And it's probably not going to be the end of it either. No, it's not. I don't know how much Riley Smith made. Do you? He was he was up there. He wasn't he wasn't one of their cheap players by but. any means. But and the misfits they won their cup. So I mean, yeah, they did what they had to do. Yeah, and, and they're still they're still gonna yeah. get they're still gonna be very good. Riley Smith is amazing, but they'll find they'll find his replacement. And you know, third round pick, that'll help them, did I'm you? sure. Yeah. hmm But I do believe that actually it doesn't specify what year. <laughs> but I'm assuming it's this year. It's Kevin Weeks. You know, he does those videos where he, like, yeah. of just his face. It's one yeah. of those. Um, which he's definitely – it's right. It's real. But, um, you know, I don't know. Back to the Pierre-Luc Dubois thing really quick. We could close that before we move on. Um, I think I think it's a trade that will work out for both sides. I think both teams – both teams – 
So the Kings got what they needed. They wanted a big centerman, right? A huge centerman that could play in both ends of the ice. That's what the Kings do. I just think for the Jets who knew they were trading him, it's kind of like last year with Kachuk. The best player moved on, but you got a really nice return knowing you had to move him anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, credit to the Jets. I think they'll be just fine with some of these players going back. They'll probably be a wild card team-ish. They'll be a bubble card team again. A bubble card. A bubble team again, I think. <laughs> I like that bubble card. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll start saying that. Uh, <laughs> Thomas Gage wants to know if the Hawks are drafting a goalie. We will get to our draft predictions in period number three. Um, quick answer, no. Um, I think they might. Honestly, I think they get one in the third round. I'm not even dumb. kidding. I'm not even kidding. I would I hate that. I think they're going to. Like, don't be surprised tomorrow. Well, I've heard I, some whispers. I would hate that. I would despise that, actually. You have Arvid Soderblom and Drew Comesso. And Peter Mrazek signed this year. There are free agents every year. Drafting goalies barely works. I'm just saying, don't be surprised tomorrow. There's no goalie worth it this year. There's not. I'd be annoyed. I'm not saying I'd be surprised. But if I were Kyle Davidson, if I were any GM, I would not draft a single goalie this well, year. Well, eventually we need guys in the pipeline. There's two really good ones. No, but I'm saying like even further. Like you just can't like not develop goaltenders. I They're, guess. No, I get what you're saying. It, it's like the take they, one every year mentality. Like same thing with quarterbacks in football. You never know when you get your Brock Purdy. But like I get it. I, I don't know. I'm I'm leaning towards they will. They haven't drafted a goalie in a long time. I think it was since Drew Camesso, right? Uh, I would have to go back and think. Um, I'm not sure. But there's rumblings that they break that trend this year. Like yeah, later I mean, on. Like they're not going to use their 60th pick or whatever it is to get a, a goalie. Yeah, well, as of right now, there is four second-round picks and two third-round picks. They have Dallas's pick that was given mm-hmm. to them by Arizona last year, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll get to that. We'll get to yeah, some we'll of these predictions. Frank, Kevin Hayes is a St. Louis Blue. I know you don't love the Blues, but it's hard to hate Kevin Hayes. No, I don't. You know, with everything with everything that happened with Jimmy over the last couple years, um, the Hayes family is just so wonderful, and everybody likes them. I'm happy for him. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if Hayes would have performed well with John Tortorella coaching the Flyers, and you know, and with them rebuilding, kind of makes sense here. Uh, early reports suggested that it was going to be Hayes and Travis Sanheim uh, were going to be traded for Tory Krug, but that never fell through. And uh, I mean, I, I kind of like the move for the Flyers trading. I mean, they're retaining fifty percent of his contract, so it's going to be a three point five million dollar hit um, for the Blues. Um, but the Flyers have 10 picks this year, so it'll be interesting to see how their rebuild kicks off. They have 10 picks, and they might not be done. They could still trade a bunch of other players. Carter Hart could yeah. go. Um, we'll see what happens. Tory Krug, I love seeing a guy. Um, I love seeing a guy use his no-move clause. They're given out for a damn reason. You don't have to wave it every time someone asks you. It seems like guys do, though, and it never makes sense. <laughs> what do you have a no-move clause for, then? You don't want to go play for shitty Philly right now. I want to play for Philly in five years when they have Max Celebrini and Matvey Mitchkov and, you know, whatever, whoever they draft this year. Like, that's when I want to play for Philly. I don't want to play for Philly right now. They suck. You know, Jack Hughes' hat trick goal in the stadium series is going to put the Devils ahead 13 to nothing. Like, (laughs) you know, they're going to stink. They might be the worst team. I'm buying them as the worst team in the league as of right now. Um, 
I bought the Hawks as the worst team in the league last year. They had the third worst record. I still think they had the worst roster. Um, I would take Anaheim and um, Columbus's roster last year over the Hawks this last year. I just, especially once Kane was gone, I firmly believe that. And, you know, Buddy fucking Robinson and Andreas <laughs> Athanasiu getting fucking 20 goals. That made them have like two extra points. I still on paper would have taken those two teams over the Hawks last year. That ended up working out anyway. They're the worst roster. They got Bedard. It doesn't matter. I'm buying Philly as the worst team. Kevin Hayes going away. There's a lot to do with that. And St. Louis, they're, they're trying to restock again and be a pretty good team this year, I think. And Philly picked seventh. And I'm really interested to see who they go for at seven. It could be a multitude of different things. Yeah, I have two guesses. Because if, I have if no Mitch Koff falls there and they pass on him. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I, yeah. Uh, Sheldon Keith stays in Toronto. Your thoughts? Um. Well, I'm a little surprised. But then after reading the whole interaction he had with the general manager, Brad Treveling, I'm not surprised because he said – with Keith staying, they have hopes that they're going to resign Matthews and Nylander. And the main reason as to why Keith is sticking around is because Traveling knows that Keith had a strong bond with these core players. And the players believe in the coach, and the coach believes in the players. So when you got a two-way street there, I mean, you really don't have to make any – like, the Leafs don't really have to make many changes. I mean, something needs to change, obviously, because they just they're not having success. But I think a new coach could potentially make things worse in this situation, especially when the players are so invested in this coach. And the same could be said about the coach being invested in the, the players and the core that they have. Um, however, if the Leafs have another letdown year, I don't know if Keith returns the next year after that. I mean, he did help Toronto get past the first round, something other coaches have had problems doing so in years past. But if there's still not a lot of success or there's a letdown year, he might be gone the year after. Because something, I mean, the clock's ticking for this core. Clock's ticking, buddy. You better get it done. And so, speaking of teams getting it done, the Colorado Avalanche have been one of the most well ran teams in the NHL for the last four or five years. Listen to this shit. They drafted Alexander Newhook in the first round, late in the first round, in 2019. Mm -hmm. High potential, high ceiling, good player. Hasn't really hit his stride yet. He's not looking like some of the other prospects that came out of the 2019 draft. The Kirby Docks, the Jack Hughes. Even Capocacco hasn't lived up to second overall, but he's an NHL player. He belongs on a second or third line. There's no You score 15 goals in an NHL season, you are an NHL player. You know, they probably wouldn't take him second. They probably would have taken Bowen Byram or Zegris or, you know, somebody else. He hasn't lived up to that quite yet. The uh, Montreal Canadiens were like, okay, we'll take him. We'll give you this pick and whatever. Then Colorado turns and flips the pick that was given to them for Ross Colton who's a pretty nice middle six forward. What, what pick was it, 31 or 37? I forget which pick they gave up. Here, I'll, I'll get you on that. Because they got but, 31 I mean, and 37. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm, Colorado, I think, fleeced the Canadians, to be honest with you. Yes. Because at the time before Ross Colton came, they had picks 27, 31, and 37. You have three picks in that 10-span window in a draft that is considered to have first-round talent that late. And your 
two a year removed from being the defending Stanley Cup champion. Right. You're a team that's not rebuilding yet, but you're still trying to get key pieces to your team. It was a big move by both sides, but I think Colorado fleeced them. No, I completely agree. It was 37 that they traded. So they got pick 31. 27 and 31. They got pick 31 and Colton for Newhook. Fleecing. Two teams. Uh, Tampa Bay didn't do anything wrong. Tampa Bay didn't do anything wrong. They took pick 37 for Ross Colton, who they probably couldn't afford anymore. Did you see me almost fall off my chair right now? No. I I literally just almost... I just literally just almost fell off my chair. Colorado makes me fall off my chair. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. It's just great work by Colorado. I hope the Devils are becoming that. It kind of feels Colorado, like they are. Because Colorado's a good team, and they're not they're rebuilding. And they got two, they've got two picks nearly back-to-back, both in the first round. I mean, that's just unbelievable. 27 and 31. I mean, that is Listen, just unbelievable. I know, and we'll add this because I forgot that this happened over the weekend while I was at a wedding. We'll add this to the Colorado conversation. Um, I I think they're still – I know they lost to the Kraken in the playoffs. It was game seven, though. And they, if they won that game, who knows what would have happened against Dallas or whoever. They could have won. They absolutely could have won. And it wouldn't have shocked me if they played Vegas in the conference finals again. That's how good Colorado is, and that's how magical of the run it was for Seattle. Well, they're going to add Ross Colton. There's no Landis Cog next year. That sucks. But Ryan Johansson to be their second line center. They traded yeah. for him. And, you know, well, you, you could touch on that trade if you want to, too. I forgot to write that down because the sheet just has so much information on it. But, um, you know, so now you have McKinnon, Johansson. You're adding Colton, Colorado. I'm buying their stock as the best or second best team in the West as of right now. Johansson coming to the team is a big that makes a big difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. They they uh, really couldn't replace Kadri last year. That's what made them feel a little bit lower than they were the year before. But I like when Colorado or teams do this where they go out and get that player to fill fit in with their current core. I, I mean, I'm just stunned that they were able to get a 31st pick and a 37th pick for New Hook. Then you flip it. And props to Tampa because now Tampa gets the 37th pick. And, you know, Tampa is going to be on the downswing as well. So they're going to have to do what they have to do to get back into the draft lottery or the draft picks and build up your farm system. And having the 37th pick this year, I mean, that's first-round talent. That's big for Tampa Bay. So I think that's a win-win for both those teams with Tampa and Colorado. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. But. Um, yesterday, we also found out a little bit of big news later in the afternoon. The Calgary Flames traded Tyler Toffoli to your New Jersey Devils in exchange for a third round pick and Yegor Sharangovich, who today they extended to a contract extension. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Tyler for Toffoli being traded to the Devils. Um, I mean, that's big. He had, what, 34 goals last year? Yep. 34 goals. I yep. mean, if... Tyler Toffoli can produce that way on a better team that's younger. I believe it's, you know, it's going to make the Devils even a little bit better potentially. Now, do I think Tyler Toffoli is going to get that again? I don't. I don't think he's going to score 30 goals. Um, But you never know. He's on a better team. The New Jersey Devils are better than the Calgary Flames. And you never know what happens when you're playing with talent like the Devils have. So, I do think we're going to see a little bit of regression from him, but it's a big move for the Devils to have a piece like him on the team. Didn't he win the cup with the Kings? 
two, twice, yep. Yep. twice, right? I think just once. Was it 2014? Yeah. Okay, so you got a Stanley Cup champion on your team too. You got that played in the Cup with Montreal, though. Exactly. I forgot about that. I never even thought about that. So yeah, I mean, I think it's a great move for the Devils. Huge. Yeah. See, I I could see a, a slight regression. Toffoli's one of those guys. He could score anywhere from 25 to 40 playing with Jack Hughes. I firmly believe that. He's a sniper. His ability to shoot is really kind of unlike anything Jack Hughes has played with. I mean, Timo Meyer, he scores all sorts of goals. He's got the wrist shot. He banks goals in hard in front of the net. Wraparounds, one of the best wraparound artists in the NHL. Timo Meyer is different than Tyler Toffoli, though. Tyler Toffoli is more of like a marksman where Meyer is just kind of like crashing and banging all over the place. He drives offense using his size. Um, I see a player like Toffoli going off with Jack Hughes. I actually think I think he's got another 30 bomb in him, another one or two more 30 bombs. It's you know, possible. maybe not 34, but like maybe he does go off in year one and scores 40 and has that career year early in his 30s. It's possible. We've seen it before. Um, I really think Hughes, Heischer, Bratt, Meyer, Mercer, Toffoli is the best top six in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, it could be. There's a lot of changes going around in the Eastern Conference right now. So, yeah, very well, May. Yeah, and, like, I don't know. I'm just very excited about this Devils team. I think they could be they could be cup good. They really could be cup good. I think the Toffoli trade's a home run. I'm very excited about it. They gave up Sharon Govich, who's a bottom six forward who could score 20 goals. Like, he's a good player. Calgary's probably going to give him more ice time. He'll probably play with, you know, whoever they keep. And that was going to be my next question. Is the Flames rebuilding? Because I wrote that down. But when I made this sheet, it was before the Toffoli trade. Um, we'll see if Backlund returns to play with Sharon Govich. I'm not really sure that that's going to end up being the case. Um, but, I mean, the Flames are in a very interesting they're, situation. Home run for the Devils, though. They're, the Flames are going to rebuild. I mean, yeah, if, to me – you traded to Foley. That's the first signifier that they're going to be. He's they're going to rebuild Elias Lindholm, Backlund, and Noah Hannafin. Also, don't seem like they want to sign a long term extension with the Flames. For so th- for those reasons, they're going to rebuild. It's just going to happen. I mean, Yegor Sharangovich, and they got a twenty twenty three third round pick, so that helps them out right there. It's just the writing's on the wall. I think it's clear as day. It's time for a rebuild. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. From the Vegas Golden Knights, an original misfit, a leader on the ice in our community, and in our community, a Stanley Cup champion. Thanks for the memories, Riley. Vegas will always love. Hashtag Vegas born. I mean, it's a little sad because he's been there the whole time. Yep. But but he came and conquered and did what he was meant to do, help them win a Stanley Cup championship. So, I mean, thank you, Riley Smith, and good luck. Where, where'd he go? Pittsburgh. Good luck in Pittsburgh. We'll see you on opening night against the Blackhawks. Upgrade for him in terms of the center he'll play with. That I do believe. He'll probably see a jump in offensive production just a tad. Because he always played with Wild Bill. Wild Bill, great. Awesome. Love him. High-end offensive pro- prolific uh, player. He ain't Crosby or Malkin. Even now in 2023 at their advanced ages. Mm-hmm. I, tr- I firmly believe Riley Smith is going to a good situation in terms of, you know, maybe his next contract he'll be able to, um, you know, maybe make a little bit of money again because of the numbers that Crosby and Malkin help him get. Um, that's exciting stuff. I'm very happy for Riley. I'm sure his family is thrilled to be, you know, they get to go hang in Pittsburgh and play on a good team with some legends. Like you said, opening night against Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks at home, that should be fun. 
Um, he won't be there for the banner raising. I'm sure he's annoyed for that. But, you know, those types of things happen. Um, Frank, just a little bit of housekeeping to end the second period. Timo Meyer and the New Jersey Devils with an eight-year, $8.8 million contract extension. Eric Holla, three years by 315 with the New Jersey Devils. Evgeny Dadnov, $2.25 million with the Dallas Stars. Aiden Hill stays with the Vegas Golden Knights. And then $2.9 million for Jordan Stahl and the Carolina Hurricanes. Any thoughts on any of those? Uh, yeah, I'll give a couple of thoughts. The Dadanov, I mean, it was Jim Nil. It was on high priority that GM Jim Nil wanted to sign Eric Dadanov again. He's a great bottom six player. He adds depth to the team. I want to give out to a shout out to my girlfriend G, who with Blackout Dallas predicted Dadanov staying with the Dallas Stars. It was one of Daddy. The- it was one of the uh, players she thought would stay with the team. She was right. Two years, $2.25 million per year. And also Jordan Stahl coming back to the Hurricanes. Because you know I was very high up on the Hurricanes this past year. I mean, the captain isn't going anywhere. You're getting him at a bargain price. Because he's one of the most underrated defensive forwards in the NHL. You saw he got uh, a, what, one first place vote, fourth in the Selkie. I mean, he is so underrated, and you're getting him at $2.9 million per year. That is a bargain steal. I mean, the Hurricanes got a very young core, and with Jordan Stahl's leadership, that he, he he's helped bring a lot of success to this franchise lately. I mean, Stahl's new contract also no, a full no-movement clause for the first three years and a full no-trade clause for the final season. This gives him total control of where he plays. The, you can't beat the price. I love this move for the Carolina Hurricanes. Absolutely. Did you see Eric Stahl got one second place vote playing on like the fourth line for Florida and it was Gord Miller accidentally putting Eric instead of Jordan? <laughs> no, I didn't see that. That's funny. Yeah. You know, Gord Miller, the announcer. Yeah. He, he accidentally put Eric Stahl when he meant Jordan Stahl. So Eric Stahl got himself a Selkie vote this year. That's hilarious. Playing like nine minutes a game on Florida's fourth line. Wow. How could you choke um, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Timo Meyer, he played 60-something games. He had 60-something points. He's an 80-point player. Um, I love the deal for the Devils. They have him, Hughes, Heischer, um, Brat, all locked up for, you know, seven years or whatever. I think all of them together. Um, Toffoli's coming in. He wants to sign an extension. I don't know what kind of extension you give a 31 year old, um, probably like a four year deal, I think would be perfect. It's just, it's amazing what's going on in devil's land right now. They kind of, they probably gave Timo maybe three, 400,000 more than I would have liked, but you can do that when you have he sheer making seven and a half and Hughes making eight. Like if Hughes hit the open market right now, he'd get 12. Right. Like that's just what happens. Like McDavid, he got 12 when because the Oilers wouldn't give him that deal before the success. Mm -hmm. The Devils took a risk. They gave Jack Hughes and Nico Heesha the contracts before they really proved their potential to be there. And, you know, that allows you to give Timo Meyer an extra couple hundred thousand to stay instead of to leave. So I'm very happy with the contract. He's a 96% war player, according to Jay Fresh Hockey. Um, Just a top-line winger that drives offense with physicality and whatnot. He's everything you'd want in a winger for one of Hughes or Heischer. You can throw Bratton wherever you want. You got Mercer still on his entry-level deal. Um, We'll see what happens with Toffoli. But, man, what a top six this team has now. It's going to be fun for the Devils. 
Frank, they sucked for so long. I told Dylan, I feel no sympathy for anyone. Anyone whose favorite team stinks, I don't care. The Devils were so bad for so long. They had nothing. They had – they mm, – when Parisi went to the Wild, Kovalchuk retired, and Clarkson went to the Leafs, the Devils lost 90 goals from the previous season. 90 Stop. goals. Yaramir Yager at 43 years old was their leading scorer one time. All those years of Paul Mary and Henrique, pretty good third, second, third line players leading the team in scoring. I feel sympathy for nobody. I want the Devils to win six cups with this core. Okay, good Ooh. luck. That's tough. That's no, tough. <laughs> I want one cup. But, you know, sometimes if you get two or three, you're not, it's nice. But oh, I want one cup. This team is good. This team is very good. Next up is Hellebuck. Um, Frank, I think it's finally about that time where we get into the meat and potatoes of the show, sure. talking about the 2023 NHL draft in period number three. Welcome to period three, Frank. I really hope Bedard falls to the Hawks or to the Devils. <laughs> I, I like that prospect. I've been watching him a lot lately. He plays for the Regina Pats. And, like, if he could fall to the Devils in the late second round, I think that'd be, like, a good spot for them to take him. I think. What, really would, you, what would you do if he fell to Philly and he was a flyer? <laughs> if he falls to Philly, then he's falling to the Devils at 50, whatever. Like, imagine him being on the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, that that was one of my – I remember we said Hawks or Flyers at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And the Flyers ended up being a little bit better than I thought they'd be. So, <laughs> no shot. VP, I've been waiting for this day for a long time. Happy future, Connor Bedard, Frank. The future changes forever today. And Connor Bedard made the statement that if the Blackhawks were to take him, it would be unreal. He appears he wants to come here. He loved to come to Chicago. It's a great sign. He's also very humble, which is what I love, I love about him. It's going to be a special moment. I'm not taking my eyes off the screen because this may never happen again in my lifetime for the Chicago Blackhawks. This is like a truly generational talent moment. It is special. I can't wait. I have a couple predictions about Connor Bedard that are going to make your pee-pee grow. All right, let's hear it. Because as Tom said, what did Tom say in the opening of the show? He says, um, how many diehard Hawks fans are getting a major Woody right about now? I'm about to give you all a major Woody. All of you. I think Connor Bedard scores 70 at least once in his career. Wow, 70. I wholeheartedly believe Connor Bedard will score 70 goals at least once. His wish people don't even understand. I've watched so much video. Guys, this is what I do for a living. I literally sit at my computer and I watch hockey all day. All day. I've watched Connor Bedard so much. Like you you guys don't even understand. I'm a number 1 overall pick expert. Okay, my favorite team has won it twice. Um, I w- I'm obsessed with Austin Matthews. I'm obsessed with Connor McDavid. I've been a number one overall pick enthusiast for years, and Connor Bedard is no different. I just get to share that with more people around me this year because all of my friends that are Chicago fans actually care about what I have to say. Connor Bedard 
is the best shooter of the puck I have ever seen from a prospect. I didn't watch Ovechkin as a prospect. He was also Russian. I probably wouldn't have all that much anyway if I was around an adult in 2004 because, like, the Russian prospects, they just don't get the notoriety in North America that they should. I'm not saying it's for a good reason. It's just not how it is because I think all these dummies are going to regret passing on Matt Vay-Mitchkov at some point too, except for Chicago. Um, Connor Bedard is going to be a 750 goal scoring wagon. It wouldn't shock me if he breaks Ovechkin's record one day. The, the problem with predicting that is like 20 years of health. Yeah. I only need two, a year and a half of health for Ovechkin to break the record, which is, per, I, I don't think he retires till he gets it done. He could score four, he could score 20 each of the remaining years on his contract and he'll break the record. That's why I'm so confident. You know, m- maybe I'm being a little overzealous when I say a year and a half, but like, you know, Bedard, he invented a way to shoot the puck that confuses goalies unlike I've ever seen. And the fact that he's a great playmaker confuses goalies even more because they have to cheat to the other side in case he makes the pass. Connor Bedard will be a 30-goal scoring rookie, and he'll lead the Hawks in scoring. Taylor Hall will be a 70-point player as a result. Wouldn't shock me if Lucas Reichel all of a sudden looks like this great prospect um, this year. I just I think the world of Connor Bedard. I think he's better than Taves and Kane combined. He is unreal. When they say that he's a generational talent, I see every bit of it. I don't like using that word generational. Like Patrick Kane is not a generational player. He was a generational Blackhawk. He was a generational winner. But he wasn't the best player in the league at any point in time. He won the Hart Trophy one time because he had a billion points. That happens. You know, the be- you don't have to be a generational player to win. Leon Dreisaitl's not a generational player. He's a, a S-tier player. But, like, when I think of generational players, I think of guys who have a chance to be a top 10 player ever. There are only three guys like that active right now. Ovechkin, Crosby, and McDavid. Malkin's just on the outside. Malkin's close to a generational player. He's probably the closest to being a generational player. That's not one that I've ever seen. Bedard is in that mix. He will be one of the greatest Blackhawks players ever. Your future gets so much brighter today, and that's my soliloquy. You're the Blackhawks fan. I'll let you take it over from here. But you remember I said that, 70 goals. Not right away. It might take four, five, six years. In 2026, I don't want to hear, I thought you said he'd score 70 when he's coming off 45. <laughs> I don't think he's going to do it when he's 21. 26, 27-year-old Bedard will score 70 goals in a season. If McDavid, mean, if McDavid, who's not even a goal scorer, McDavid is one of the great playmakers who ever lived, has a 60-goal season. Bedard, who primarily focuses on shooting, will score 70, I have no doubt in my mind. I think this is like, I don't know. I agree with a lot of your saying. 70 seems like a stretch. Uh, Skoke says, I think he get 55-plus. I don't know about 70. He had a site this year where he watched about 85% of Pat's games. Um I'm looking forward to it. I think this year is going to be real, real fun. Um, I kind of woke up the other day, and I was like, I, I'm, I'm probably just being a little biased, but I don't know if the Hawks are going to be terrible, terrible this year. Like, what if they are a bubble team? Like, I don't know. Like, I think Connor Bedard has the capability of – changing the players around him. I mean, we got great prospects coming in. Now we got Taylor Hall, Nick Foligno. I think they'll help out a ton. Um, you don't know. Like, do like what if they do have that bubble mentality? I mean, I think obviously if 
Connor Bedard pans out the way he should, he's going to be better than Patrick Kane was. And obviously, and the year after the Hawks got Patrick Kane, they had a jump up in points, like not a lot. They still missed the playoffs. I'm pretty sure. But we saw like they had a, a pretty decent jump up in points. And like, what if that happens? And like, what if they're that fun to the point where they do, you know, potentially vie for that last playoff spot? I mean, we don't know. I mean, look at the Devils, what the Devils did. We weren't expecting that out of the New Jersey Devils. Um, Thomas Gates says he got in an argument with some guy saying he wouldn't trade Austin Matthews for Bedard, said Matthews is the greatest goal scorer in the league and has a better shot than Bedsy. Not that I'd ever trade Bedsy. What do you think about that? Austin Matthews is the best goal scorer in the league. Not for long. Would you trade? I mean, no. Bedard for Matthews? I wouldn't trade Bedard for anybody other than McDavid. I would trade Bedard for McDavid. I think you'd be foolish not to. McDavid's the best player ever. I don't. McDavid has transcendent speed. He has game breaking ability to shoot now. We know he could be a 60 goal scorer if he just feels like it. The assist didn't come down when he decided to start scoring more goals. In fact, they went up. Like McDavid, I would trade for Bedard. I think you'd be like the Hawks. If they got 25 year old McDavid right now, they can build around him the same way as they would 19 year old Bedard. Would they have three or four less years of excellence if they had McDavid instead of Bedard? Maybe. But I still, you your chance of winning the cup would improve even more. I think McDavid, he, he, Bedard's not McDavid, but he's a better goal scorer. Um, and that's saying something. I do think he has a chance at 70 because he could score 30 on the power play alone. Um, I, I, I really, like Pasternak and who else had 60? Braden Point had 50. Goals are going up in the NHL. Goalies are getting worse. They're making the rules favor offense. There are so many great playmakers in the league right now. The Hawks are just going to stuff this guy with playmakers for the next 10 years. It's going to be unreal how many goals this kid scores. I mean, think about – I bet McDavid hit seven posts this season. He probably hit seven goal posts this season, probably more. He probably hit like 10 or 15. Mm -hmm. If half of those go in, he's close to being a 70-goal guy. Uh, Bedard, he probably will hit I, – I, I literally, I feel this way about Bedard. I don't know why. I, I, I'm I'm a Devils fan first. I love the Hawks. Without the Hawks, I wouldn't be into hockey. But um, Matthews was 24 goals behind the goal leader and behind 13 other players. Matthews' wrist was very injured this season. Go watch every single goal Austin Matthews scored this season. Very few with the wrist shot. He, he had to take a different approach to scoring goals this year, where last year when he was 100% healthy and his wrist was perfect, he scored 60 and looked like the Matthews is the most talented goals. He's got the best shot in the NHL. One little off year that because of a broken wrist or whatever was going on with his wrist, he missed time with the wrist. It never got back to being a full strength. Expect the Leaf star to be elite next year with that too. But I'm, I'm, I'm high on Bedard, dude. Does like, Connor Bedard win rookie of the year? Um, that's difficult because he's 19. I, everything I'm praising about Connor Bedard are his skills from the Regina Pats and the Canadian team and all of that over the years turning into becoming that in the NHL. That takes time. Luke Hughes is 20. Um, Lane Hudson is 20. All these guys who are going to be in the mix this year, there's one other big name I'm missing that'll be in the mix for Rookie of the Year this year. Um, Fantilli, he's a bigger kid, right? Like, he'll play in the NHL right away, and he'll play with Zegris, probably. Like, there are other stories that could present themselves to have him in that mix. 
Um, but right now I would say, I would say Luke Hughes is, and I'm saying I might sound biased. I really might sound biased, but, um, I think Luke Hughes has a chance to, but at, right now I would give Bedard the early favorite. McDavid He's, didn't even win rookie of the year. McDavid didn't. He sure didn't. Darlene didn't. Panarin won it in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. McDavid broke his clavicle or whatever. That, that year. They only really? played like he only played like forty something games and he had like forty seven points. He was on like a ninety point pace in his rookie year and then he got hurt. Um, McDavid's a different story though, and which Bedard's a different story too. But I don't know. I think younger players impact the league more now. Um, there's another player I'm forgetting. Why can't I think of who it is? <laughs> there's another player that I had with Luke Hughes as potential candidates to beat out Bedard for the Calder Trophy only because they were. Um, you know, two, three years more developed, more man muscle. They'll handle yeah. corners better. They'll handle the net, the net front better. They'll receive passes from NHL players just with a little bit more experience. Like those things matter for the Calder Trophy. You just heard everything I thought about Bedard and his future. So you can know that when I say these things, I'm saying it truthfully and not trying to like descend anything that Connor Bedard might be able to do. He could absolutely be the rookie of the year. Do you think he wins the Rocket Richard in his career? Multiple times. Well, I don't the think Art anybody Ross? else is scoring 70. The Art Ross? Yeah. The Hart? Yeah. The Ted Lindsay? Yeah. Wow. You think he's going to at least have one of each? He will play at the same time as Jack Hughes, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews. Those are good players. He will also probably win some of those things. Um, I think Jack Hughes can win a Art Ross. He can win a Hart. I absolutely think that. He had 99 points at 21. Will Connor Bedard have 99 points at 21? That's not a guarantee. That's not a guarantee, guys. Mm -hmm. But I think when he's 26, 27, he will be amongst the greats ever. I yeah, hope you're I mean, right. He's unreal. And this was the biggest draft lottery to win. And listen, Buffalo got two really top flight defensemen, Owen Power and Darlene, by winning the draft lottery. The Devils got a Selkie Trophy candidate, a Selkie Trophy favorite for the next 10 years. I wouldn't buy any Selkie stock in any player in the league over the next 10 years more than he sure. If you said, Vin, I'll give you $100 if you can guess who will win the most Selkies over the next 10 years, I would guess he sure. And they got Hughes, a Hart Trophy point leading Art Ross type player. Mm -hmm. um, who else had the number one picks? Uh, Montreal, they got screwed. Um, <laughs> who else am I missing? There's a couple other teams that were up there. Buffalo, New Jersey. Um, Buffalo, New Jersey. Is it really just those teams? Uh, the Edmonton Oilers before the Devils? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, the Leafs. The Leafs. Um, but, yeah, I mean – it's it's good in Chicago Blackhawks. People in Chicago don't even – I firmly believe they don't even realize it. They don't understand that – like it's Michael Jordan, it's Walter Payton, and it really – it could be Connor Bedard in that mix. I wholeheartedly think that that's a possibility. Nobody so. can Nobody can reach the apex of Wayne Gretzky in terms of point scoring, like even Connor McDavid, who I would take on my team in his prime over Wayne Gretzky in a heartbeat. Um you can't have 300, 250 points a season. That's just not how the league works. But Bedard will have a 70-goal season. I hope you're right. 
I hope I'm right too. I don't want to look like an idiot. Because that's Alex, that's a high Alex claim. That's a hefty claim. In NHL history. If he sucks, and he will be he will be the biggest bust in NHL history. Two. Which is an NHL player, but <laughs> fourth yeah. liner in years to come. Yeah, that would be that'd be devastating. Honestly, <laughs> it would be devastating because I think Fantilli's a dude. I like Leo Carlson. I think he needs one more year of development. I think Mitchkov could play in the NHL right now, but he's obviously hung up for three years in the KHL. Can he not like get rid of his contract? No. Like even if he wanted to. No, don't Google who Ska St. Petersburg is owned by. But like, if you wanted to, or is there like zero? Like you can't. You can't. He's like, you can't in. because he won't, or, like, it's illegal? Like, it's against I, the rules. I don't like, know the laws or what the repercussions of it would be, but he's not. Like that's what there's I – no, I'm not I'm not saying – like, I know he's not going to. But it, could you, like, actually, like, if you wanted to? No, I don't, think, to he I don't think he could. I don't think he could. I don't think – I don't think whoever could draft him is allowed to let him. Oh, he's okay. under contract. That's what I wanted to like, know. Like, think, think about – like Jack Hughes can't play for a, a KHL team right now. He's not. He can't sign with them. The New Jersey Devils have him under contract. They can mm-hmm. say, "Hey, this isn't allowed. Like you can't do that." No, but like, what if he went to the team and was like, "I want to get out. Like I'm done playing in the KHL." Yeah, I don't know. He would have to break out. I don't. I don't know. I have no idea. It's never really happened before. That's right. Because like number one uh, high picks like this out of Russia are rare. If you really think deep about it. Kovalchuk went number one. Um, Evgeny Malkin and Ovechkin, they went one and two. You know, the top two Russians probably ever. But, like, outside of that, Svechnikov went two. Um, can you think of any other Russians that are just, like, super high up on the draft poll list? Like, it doesn't happen very often because mm-hmm. of situations like this. I don't know. I mean, I just think it's fun. like you're just locked in. Yeah, he, he like, signed the deal. It was his choice. Three three more years. I do think I do think every team besides Chicago and maybe Anaheim, maybe Anaheim, because I love Fantilli. I think he can be Nico Heesher 2.0. I really do. Um there were will regret not drafting Mitchkov. Look at the wild with keeping Kaprizov. Yeah, they had to wait till his contract was over. Three years, same situation. Now, Kaprizov wasn't a top 10 pick, so there was less risk in all of it. Um, but, I mean, he's their best player now, and he's one of the 10 best forwards in the NHL, Kaprizov. I, there's really no doubt about it in my mind. Um, I, I think whichever team that takes him will be excited to drop him on an entry-level deal making 900000 in three years. And he'll be making that nine hundred thousand for three more years, mm-hmm. but he won't care because he'll have already made all this money from the KHL. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's say you're the Flyers right now. You're the Flyers. You you have pick seven. He falls to you. You take him. Next year you suck because you don't have Kevin Hayes. Provorov's gone. You probably are going to trade Carter Hart. We'll see what happens with Konechny. Um, you suck. You win the draft lottery. You have Max Celebrini. Max Celebrini really turns into a top-flight NHL forward. I don't know if he's – he's not Connor Bedard, even though our buddy who was on last week um, 
said he was generational on his model. Um, I don't know if he's he's not like a Bedard or a McDavid or a Matthews, but could he be like a Jack Hughes? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so you're the Flyers. You develop him. All these players around you start coming up, and now you just drop Mitchkov right when you're ready to be this year's version of the Devils. That surprised him. It's very possible. That's honestly almost likely, I think. And so that's why I I think San Jose should take him at four. Yeah. I mean, I have predictions about it. I don't know if you want me to say now or whenever. Well, really quick, who's your favorite prospect outside of the top ten? I got a couple. I got two. Lay them on. One is Oliver Moore. Oliver Moore, good player. Center. He's definitely not going to go in the top 10, I wouldn't think. Um, no. But he'll go somewhere between 11 to 15 is my guess. First of all, he's the fastest skater in the draft. He's he's a very he's very similar to Dylan Larkin. I think if he could get his offensive clicking in the NHL, he has a chance to be a very dangerous player. The only problem is he's very inconsistent when it comes to finishing scoring chances that he creates, that somebody else creates. I don't know if that's because he's so fast and he hasn't developed into like how to, you know, combat with his speed and scoring. But, I mean, this is a problem that could easily be worked on. And if he could prove to score, he's, his speed alone is going to make him uh, dangerous. And getting him outside the top ten I think is going to be a steal for whoever picks him up. The other guy is a guy I talked with Tom a lot. I know he's high on Tom's prospect list, and that's Quentin Musty. Left winger. Uh, he's, he's got great size, great speed for his size. Um, there's also a chance that the Blackhawks could draft him as well at 19. Um, if that's the case, maybe one day he's line mates with Bedard and with the skill of putting, you know, with having him and Bedard and the skill that Musty has of putting the puck in the back of that, who knows what they could turn into. So those are the two that stuck out to me the most. Um, but I'm sure you got some other names too. I mocked the entire first round. So like I told you, I did I did two mocks of just the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. And one of them, I had them trade back into the first round. Those are just fun fanfare. Mm-hmm. The one I did where I mocked the first round is strictly business, strictly what I think the picks will be in order. Mm-hmm. I have the Hawks taking Quinton Musty at pick 19. Do you really? <laughs> yeah. And I have the Kraken taking Oliver Moore one pick later at 20. And I didn't see that. I swear to God. Wow. There you go. Oliver Moore at 20 to the Kraken. Quinton Musty at 19 to the Blackhawks. That's hilarious. So I'm firmly with you on these guys. I think this draft is unreal. But I have two other guys that I want to put it to the table as well. I have at 17 on my ranking, I have Edward Sale. I think he could easily go in the top 10. I like I When we redraft, in however many years, I think Edward Sale will go in most people's redrafted top 10, but he's not going top 10 tonight. Um, I have Detroit taking him at pick 17 here. That pick was Detroit's from the Islanders via Vancouver. A couple trades of that pick. Um, the 17th overall pick every year seems to just get moved all the time. It's just something that sticks in my head. Every year, pick 17 was traded more than once. Um Fun fact, Zach Parisi was the 17th overall pick, and it was a pick traded to the Devils by the Oilers. Um, they they would really love to add a right winger like Edward Sale. I'm really high on him. And then the other one is Gavin Brindley. I think Gavin Brindley, I think the world of him. 
I don't think any player has a chance to win the Hobie Baker next year because of the fact that Logan Cooley decided to go back to college. Um, I'm not sure if there's a Fantilli. I'm not too privy on next year's draft other than Max Celebrini. I don't know if there's a Fantilli, like a college guy that good who will take over as a freshman. But, I mean, Brindley's going back for a second year at Michigan, and he's going to get all of Fantilli's ice time. I know there's no Luke Hughes, but Seamus Casey will step into Luke Hughes' role as their number one defenseman at Michigan. They're just going to have an unreal year. I have him going 25th to the Blues um, in my mock here, but I would love if the Hawks took him at 19. I would love it. I could see him playing with Bedard. Absolutely. And Bedard and Fantilli got to know each other well over the last month. I know for a fact that Fantilli has spoken highly about Brindley. And because I've seen interviews where he talks about him, it was the Stanley Cup final, I think he did. And so that's where I think on that, those are my two favorite non top 10 prospects. I like him. I like him a lot. I do think Oliver Moore is going to go a lot sooner in the draft than 20, where I have him. Yeah, I think he's going like 11 through 13. Okay. Um, We'll see, though. No, and listen, this draft, I think there's a clear top seven. There's a clear top seven that I think will go in a different order than most people think. But um, I probably think after those seven, it could literally whoever goes 19th could also go eighth. Like I wholeheartedly believe that. Is Colby Barlow going in the top 10? So Kevin Weeks mocked Colby Barlow going fifth to Montreal. I don't agree, but I have him going ninth to the Nashville Predators in my mind. Yeah. I, so I would say yes. It, I don't know. But yes, I mocked it for fan sided to Windy City. You can go read it. I tweeted it this morning. Um, but yeah, I have Colby Barlow going seventh or ninth to the Nashville Predators. But I'm firmly aware, like I said, eight to 25 can literally go in any order, and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean that. If Brindley went 10th to the Blues and Moore went 11th to, I forget who's 11, who's 11, to Vancouver Canucks, I wouldn't be surprised. If Sandine Palika went seventh to the Flyers and they wanted a D, I wouldn't be stunned. Where but did I he play? Uh, Sandine Palika? Yeah, because I remember talking about him. At we talked about him on the show. He was one of the defensemen we touched on in the draft. He's in Sweden. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that kid. I like that kid. Yeah, he's a good, he's a good defenseman. Him. Lots of skating. Um, good offensive awareness. Um, yeah. There are also some defensive defensemen. There's also a player, Frank, in the – I'm trying to remember his name now. It's really hard to keep all these names in order. Like, it really, really is. There's a kid next year, which I'm wearing a Wisconsin hat right now. I'm not going to flip it around. I'm becoming a big fan of Wisconsin hockey, only because I go to – I went to a game last year, and I'm going to go to probably a couple this year because Wisconsin has, like, five commits getting drafted this year. So they're actually probably going to be pretty damn good. But um, there's this kid that's co- committed to Wisconsin. He's a defensive defenseman. Um, his name is Brady Cleveland. Love that name. Brady Cleveland. I'm In my second mock draft where I gave the Hawks a third first-round pick, I made a trade with the Rangers. I drafted them 99th overall in the fourth round, Brady yeah. Cleveland. And he's a defensive defenseman stud. Love the little honorable mention to Brady Cleveland. I love college hockey. I can't wait to see him play in person. I love that. I do. Tom says you guys know Quentin Musty is my guy at 19. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, um, Quentin Musty is like a good player. Too. 
I would rank Quinton Musty as my third favorite non-top 10 prospect. I would go Brindley, Sale, Musty. But Sale probably goes a little ahead of the Hawks. I cannot wait for this draft. Oh, me either. I wish it was 6 o'clock. Yeah. And, like, part of being a really good team like the Devils is not having a first-round pick, but, like, damn. (laughs) The 26th overall pick by the Sharks, when I was mocking the pick for them, I was like, damn it. (laughs) But, I mean, it's still a top-five farm system. It'll get depleted this year. They'll probably be out of the top ten after this upcoming season. But, I mean, damn, I'm I'm super stoked. I literally cannot wait. Six o'clock can't come fast enough. When we get done with this show, that's the nice thing, though. When I think it's six, Skokes. Um, it is six. It's six. Don't and I tweet. thought it was. I thought it was seven. No, but Skokes said, tweet. "Yeah, if you turn it on at six thirty, you're gonna miss Bedard getting drafted." I promise you, it's six. Yeah, ESPN. Yeah. ESPN. So, um, Frank, let's do it. Let's mock it up a little bit. What do you All think? Right. I'll let you go first. How far? As far as you want or can, whatever. I mean, you know, I'm not. A, I don't mock a lot. That's fine. Okay, so just say a couple picks gonna, that you think I'm are going to go down. You, you could do the top five. That's fine. I know. I want to get a list of these players, though. I'm trying to pull up a list because I don't have any of the names. Go to t- go to tankathon.com. Click NHL at the top. Tankathon. For those of you who don't know, well, Frankie does this. It's amazing for every sport. Literally, I almost fell off the chair again. Every sport. Um, the top four sports in men's sports in the U.S. NBA, NHL, NFL. Uh, whatever I missed, MLB, you can sim each sports lottery, which football doesn't have a lottery, but the other sports do. All right, I got the name. And, like, it's just – it shows every top prospect in every sport, and you can really give yourself a lot of knowledge by playing around with that website. I even learned a little bit about the NBA draft for some fan-sided articles playing around with that website. So, Dude, Quentin Musty is not even on the list. Yeah, he is. I don't see him. On freaking Tankathon? Oh, yeah, he is. He is. He's love. I've been – well, you don't have to agree with these. No, I don't. There are a couple on here. Where do they have Musty? They have Musty 23. What do you mean? I know. I didn't see it. But, like, that's That's not low. Low for me. I think he's going in the top 10 through 19. There's not that much of a difference between 19 and 23. That's four picks. Listen, it's low to me. All right, I'm ready. It's low to me too, dude. But, like, could I see it happening? Absolutely. Number one, Connor Bedard. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm this close at taking Leo Carlson at two. This close. I'm not, though. But I wouldn't be stunned. I'm just saying. I would take Leo Carlson fourth or fifth. You're going to think I'm on. You're going to think I snorted, like, three tons of glue where I have Mitchkov. You so, don't have Mitchkov where you have him, though, because of his ability. No, I have him. You have him where you, you would probably have him, too, if you agreed right. to come to the well, NHL. I play Mitchkov. all the factors. And... That's fine. I don't think that's a bad – I don't think that's dumb. Two, I'm hoping like, I just... that one team is smart. I'm hoping. But anyway, two Adam Fantilli. Okay. There's no way Leo Carlson doesn't go to the Blue Jackets. I, I'd be stunned. Now, it gets really interesting with the San Jose Sharks because it's not going to be Mitchkov, in my opinion. Um, it's probably going to be Will Smith. Will Smith is a really, really good player. 
can't like wait, dude. Like BC, BC is my early pick to win the Natty next year. Yeah. Boston yeah, College, they're gonna roll through the tournament next year. They'll be in the Frozen Four. I would bet any amount of money that Boston College is in the Frozen Four next year. I'm putting Will Smith to the San Jose Sharks. I could picture him in a Sharks jersey, just the Smith on the back. I like oh, that yeah. a lot, actually. Oh, the Sharks. Then to the Montreal Canadiens. You see, I think the Montreal Canadiens, don't they have a lot of center depth or no? Yeah. There was one yeah. Thing we talked about that had a lot of center depth. I don't remember who that was. Yeah, they, they do, but, like, they're also the Montreal Canadiens. They're kind of like quarterbacks for the Bears. Like, you always think they're set at center, and they're not. I'm going for the Montreal Canadiens is going to be Ryan Leonard. I think Ryan Leonard is going to go to the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and then I think Zach Benson will go to the Flyers. However, it Mitchkov is one of my teams potentially going to the Flyers. But I don't know. So maybe uh, here, I'll say this. I think Mitchkov is either going to the Flyers or he's going to the Coyotes at 12. I think he's falling out of the top 10 potentially. There's just something I could see Mitchkov on an Arizona Coyotes jersey. That to me, the window will be perfect in three years for the Coyotes. Maybe they'll have their own stadium by then. I know that's not gonna play into their pick, but it just it seems right. So I think he's either going seven or twelve. Um, I'm gonna have. Uh, where am I? Eight. Hmm. This is where it gets tough. It is. I said eight's where it gets tough. This is where it gets tough. Oh man, eight. See, I didn't. I didn't have a list planned out. You probably have yours. You have yours mocked out. So mine takes a little bit longer. That's okay. Um, people want to know, so I could see maybe. You know, Dvorsky, right where Tankathon's got him at at eight. I was gonna say defenseman, but I don't think a D man goes in the top ten. I really. I don't, don't. either. So. I don't either, but I think four of the six picks from 10 to 20 or from 11 to 20 are defensemen. So There will be a run in the teens. Tankathon's got Dvorsky going to the Capitals. I like that, so I'm going to keep it. This is where I think Oliver Moore jumps up. I think Oliver Moore goes to the the Red Wings. He's like a Dylan Larkin 2.0. Why not put him with Dylan Larkin? I like that. I think Oliver Moore is going to go nine for sure. And then 10. I'm going to go with Gabe Peralt. Gabe Peralt is very good. They got Gabe Peralt going 13. I don't think he goes 13. I think he goes to the Blues. I think he'd be a good fit with the Blues. And, uh, yeah, that's where I'll end it, I think. All right. I I did my top 10. I had Gabe Peralt to the Blues. I think he'd fit in well there with St. Louis. For sure. Let's review, please. I got number one overall pick, the Chicago Blackhawks select Connor Bedard. Number two overall pick, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. Not the Anaheim Ducks, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. Hint, hint, wink, wink. You'll all laugh when you see Bedard put on a, or Fantilli put on a Mighty Ducks jersey later tonight. Um, 
he will be the number two overall pick. Which, did we talk about the Bruins, their logo? No, we didn't, but they have that new logo. I'm not the biggest fan of it. I like I'm, I'm a fan of what they're doing. Yeah. One year, the centennial season, they're wearing it. The old one I'm goes on hiatus. It's it not going to be one year. It'll co- the old one will come back for sure. Never. Anyway, number three overall, I have the Columbus Blue Jackets stupidly taking Leo Carlson. <laughs> and then I have the steal of the draft at pick number four, the San Jose Sharks select from the Continental Hockey League, Matt Vay Mitchkov. At number Beautiful. five. Yeah. At number five, I have the Montreal Canadiens, Les Habitants de Montreal, the red, or no, the, what is, I just said it earlier. What? I forget red, the something blanc and blue. Um, They they take Zach Benson, fifth overall. Zach Benson had some of the best major junior numbers in uh, league history. CHL history, only Connor Bedard was better. Wow. So I have him fifth going to the Montreal Canadiens. There will be people later on that might think he was dumb for not going second or third. Sixth, I have Will Smith to the Arizona Coyotes. Listen to this. Will Smith is going to go compete for the um, Hobie Baker in college hockey next year. His biggest competition, also a Coyote, Logan Cooley. And he will lead this great um, team of Boston College forwards that are probably going to roll through the year and be in the Frozen Four and all that. Will Smith at six to the year. I tweaked. I tweaked. How'd you tweak? I, I didn't realize the Coyotes picked sixth and 12. Yeah. So then I think Mitchkov may go six because I think he's either going to go to the Coyotes or the Flyers. And I thought their first pick was 12. Uh, that's fine. I, un- I understand what you mean. But, but it's fine. Whatever. I have Matthew Wood going eighth overall to the Washington Capitals. Interesting. Um, wait. I tweaked. Where's eight? Hold on. Um, at number nine, I have Colby Barlow. We talked about that to the yeah. um, Nashville Predators, number nine. And then I have Gabe Peralt going to the St. Louis Blues at number 10. We agreed on that. Yeah. Um, we agreed on one, two, and ten. Then at 11, I have David Reinbacher, the first defenseman off the board, to the Vancouver Canucks. At number 12, I have Axel Sandin-Palicka to the Arizona Coyotes. Tom Wallander to the Buffalo Sabres at 13. Dalibor Dvorsky at number 14 to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Dmitry Shimashev at number 15 to the uh, Nashville Predators. Andrew Kristall, number 16 to the Calgary Flames. Edward Sale to the Detroit Red Wings at 17. Otto Stenberg at number 18 to the Winnipeg Jets. Your boy Quinton Musty to the Chicago Blackhawks at number 19. Oliver Moore at number 20 to the Kraken. Brandon Yeager, number 21 to the Minnesota Wild. And Callum Ritchie, the Philadelphia Flyers at number 22. Okay. Is that where you're ending it? I mean, I could, I'll, fine, I'll go the whole way. Uh, uh, Oliver Bonk at number 23 to the New York Rangers. Daniil Butt to the Nashville Predators at 24. I hope it's pronounced Butt. That'd be awesome. Gavin Brindley to the St. Louis Blues at number 25. I hope he goes higher. Um, teams will regret it if he doesn't. Riley Haight to the San Jose Sharks. The pick that originally belonged to the New Jersey Devils at number 26. Bradley Nadeau to the Colorado Avalanche at pick number 27. 
Casper Haltonen at number 28 to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Tanner Melendic to the St. Louis Blues at pick 29. Nate Danielson at number 30 to the Carolina Hurricanes. Samuel Honzik to the Colorado Avalanche at number 31. And Cone Zemer to the Vegas Golden Knights at pick number 32. How often does the Stanley Cup champion actually end up picking at pick 32? Or the last know. pick of the first round? It's probably pretty rare. Yeah. Shout out to the Vegas Golden Knights getting a pick in there. I, I want to make another prediction. Mm-hmm. I got a... Because I didn't address this. but Because I, I like the defenseman Sandin Palika. I like him a lot. I think he's going to go to 15 to the uh, Nashville Predators. Funny you bring up the Predators. That's a very good pick. Very possible. And nobody in the NHL develops defensemen better than the Nashville Predators, I in my opinion. He'd be a good fit there. He would. I think the Nashville Predators are going to do something crazy. Like, insane. Like, during the draft? Yeah. Like, like Saros or something. Something. there. It's in Nashville. I uh, Moving up from 9 to 4 or 9 to 5. Like something crazy like that. As my like out of the woods, probably not going to happen, just food for thought type prediction. Oh, is that your big prediction? No. Oh. What's your big prediction? That Eric Carlson or – and or Alex DeBrinket will both be traded before the draft's over. Okay. I think that's pretty big to both happen on draft yeah. day. That'd be pretty You're big. right. That is my big prediction. The Nashville Predators make a huge trade involving someone on their team to move up in the draft. Okay. They have lots of draft capital. They're not, I think, I don't know if the rebuild is on, but the retool is on for sure. And Barry Trotz, the new man in charge. He's already started to make waves. We'll see what happens. I like it. I like a good prediction. Absolutely. So that's that. That's the 2023 NHL draft predictions from Frank and I. Connor Bedard, dude. He's coming to the Blackhawks. You know, if like for some reason, if they drafted Fantilli over Bedard, I'm shutting the draft off. And I'm not finishing it. I don't believe you. I swear to God. I'm not. I'm not finishing. I'll be so mad. Would you hate Fantilli? No, he didn't do anything wrong. Would you but hate I Kyle hate Davidson? That. Yeah, yeah. What if they won the cup? I'd still hate him up to that point until it happened. Interesting. You're an interesting man even saying that. I would shut it off. I would. I would not finish it. He'd there are a lot fired. of people... There are a lot of people that would find that awesome. He'd fi- he'd be fired. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, he, you can't. He would probably ask Mister on it. Like that he, is how he would probably. Isn't. Yeah, I know. He would probably ask Mister Wirtz's permission if he wanted to actually make something dumb like that happen. It's just not going to happen, so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Foster thought 7.30. Oh, my God. Everybody's going to miss the draft. Foster, you're going to be watching the Blues take Gabe Peralta at 10th overall. Oh, my God. The Blues are taking Gabe Peralta at 10th over at 7.30. Come on. Let's get this straight. It's 6 p.m. Central, 7. Turn it on at 5. Right when we're done with this show, go go to your ESPN apps right now. Everybody in this chat's making me nervous that they're going to miss the draft. Like, they got the first pick. 
it's going to happen quick. You can't turn it on 15 minutes late. You just got to be there. Because Frank and I haven't discussed Connor Bedard and how he fits into the Blackhawks lineup one time. And that's exactly how we're going to lead off our next show. So if you want to join in the conversation on how the Blackhawks will insert Connor Bedard into their plans and into their lines, and we're going to come up with line combinations, you better make sure you watch Connor Bedard get picked, right? God, everybody's going to miss it. I'm not. (laughs) I'll tell you that much for free. Uh, Part of me thinks the Devils trade back in, too. That's a personal prediction, though. Because as important as it is to be a good team in the NHL, it's important to restock your farm system, too, as you move along. Detroit was very good at that for a long time. Colorado is still good at that right now. Yep. Um, Tampa Bay was good at it. Then they went all in, and they got multiple cups. And before today, before today, when they traded Ross Colton for 37, they only had three picks in the draft, and they were two of them were in the sixth, and one of them was in the seventh. Their first, second, third, fourth, and fifth were all gone. <laughs> Connor Bedard's Blackhawks jerseys are already being spotted in Nashville. Oh, yeah. He's They're probably going to be number 98, right? They all got number 98. I hope he's 17. This is show 117. Does that mean anything to you? Yeah, it's, he's going to be number 17. Whatever number they pull out tonight. He'll be. He's not. They're not going to put a twenty-three on his back. I'd be stunned. I won't. I think they will put a twenty-three. You don't no think they're going to put it? Why? Because it's Connor Bedard, dude. It doesn't matter. Every year, it's part of protocol. Except one. Ah. You think so? McDusty was handed a ninety-seven jersey. Was he? Yeah. I don't remember that. Yep, Peter Shirelli. Uh, well, the only smart thing he did. He's not twenty-three. No. No, he has a better chance of wearing 69, 4, 20, yeah. than 23. That's Christopher Stieg's number. Nobody touches that. Is Anthony CU 23? No, he's 22. What number is Andreas Anthony CU? Not 22. I know that. I don't think he's 22. Andreas Anthony CU. Oh, he's 89. What an idiot I am. I was going to say, I think the only 22 I remember is Jordan Tutu when he played with the Hawks. Jordan Tutu. His last name is Tutu. He was number 22, and his birthday was, you guessed it, February 2nd, Tutu. AA89. AA round. AA round. AA Adrius Athanasiu, 20 goal scorer, almost cost the Hawks Bedard. Um, he'll be a good second line. Maybe, maybe he plays with Taylor Hall and Bedard. That's actually a. Ooh. That's a go kart line right there. That's like a go kart that, huh? line. If I well, I love speed in the NHL. The Devils play with a lot of speed. They're very fast, and Andreas Athanasiu is very fast. So is Taylor Hall. I don't have a full gauge on Bedard's speed yet because everybody he played against was you know a kid. Yeah, I th- he's pretty fast though. He's fast, but he's not like the fastest. He's not McDusty. He's not Oliver Moore. Oliver Moore is fast. There's no doubt about it. Um, Frank, I think it's time we get to America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets.
Frank, Nikita Zaitsev is the most recent Hawk to wear number 22. He wore it in 2023, um, which means he'll probably wear it next year too. Um, Ryan Carpenter before him, 2020-2022. Brandon Davidson, Jordan Tutu. Marcus Kruger wore it when he came back the second time because Andrew Ladd was wearing his famous 16. Jamal Mayers was 22. Troy Bauer, Martin Lapointe, the the last captain before Taves. Um, Yeah, that's a little bit of a rundown on number 22 in Chicago Blackhawks history. So, last week we had two picks. We went one for one because one game got delayed or postponed. But we won the only pick. So, we swept the board one for one. Um, The Phillies game got postponed last week. Got three picks for you this week. Fairly confident. We're going to start off with the Marlins at the Red Sox. Braxton Garrett versus Caleb Ort. It's a bullpen day for the Red Sox. Braxton, Gale- Braxton Garrett's been great. The Marlins have won the past five games that Garrett has pitched in this year. The Marlins' bats have found some life, and the Red Sox' bats have faced some scoring issues as of late. Braxton Garrett's a strikeout machine, and with the Red Sox' inability to score runs lately, I see too much value in uh, Marlins' money line at minus 125 to pass up. Um, so I like the Marlins tonight against the Red Sox. They shelled the Red Sox yesterday 10-1. to I hate taking teams who shell a team again the next day, but I don't know. just seems like the right scenario in this spot. We'll see. Marlins money line first pick. Second pick, we got the Guardians at the Royals. Logan Allen versus Austin Cox. Austin Cox hasn't given up a run all year, but he's only pitched in 12.1 innings. However, he showed some pretty good stuff against great teams this year, including the Rays. He's pitched against some pretty good lineups and yet to give up a run. I like that he's been pitching well. I think that with the Royals being low scoring in general, they don't score a lot of runs. I think Logan Allen could get it done for the first inning. I like no run first inning at minus 104. I don't think there's going to be a run in this inning. We'll see. Pitch the, they, both teams were offensively challenged yesterday. Two to one final score for the Guardians. May see the same thing happen today, but you never know. Finally, the Phillies at the Cubs. I like the Phillies' money line in this scenario. We got Aaron Nola, Drew Smiley on the mound. Aaron Nola's had a lot of success against the Cubs throughout his career, and the Cubs have been giving up a lot of runs lately. And Drew Smiley's just had some major, major command issues, walking a lot of batters. I don't think this is where his game gets fixed. Um, it's a tough lineup to face for a starting pitcher in the Phillies lineup. So I like the Phillies' money line at minus 137. Those are my three picks. That's what I got for you. Very good. Hopefully everybody makes lots of money. I thought you were going to say like a money line for Fantilli or something too. It's not worth it. Not worth it. Uh, not Thomas worth Gage it. wants to know if the Maple Leafs are going to trade for Eric Carlson. Hey, they my big prediction it. is that Carlson and DeBrinket are traded by the end of the night, if not at least one of them. So I know um, the general manager of the Senators – I'm pretty sure he wants to get it done by tonight. He wants something for this draft. So if it's going to happen, now's the time. We'll see. Dabrinka was traded on draft day, if I recall. He was, I'm pretty Last sure. Last year. And I think it's going to happen again. Yeah, we'll see. I remember writing about it on the way to the White Sox game, and I watched the draft at the White Sox game. So that's how she goes. 
Um, I don't think the Maple Leafs can afford Eric Carlson, though, personally. Probably not. They would have to move Nylander or Marner, and I wouldn't trade Marner. I wouldn't trade Nylander either. Sucks that they have Tavares locked up for 11 mil. That's where shit sucks. Um, But, yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed today's show, the breakdowns that we had of most of these prospects that are going to be going in the first round. Touched on a couple that aren't going in the first round. And a couple of the guys that I mentioned towards the bottom of my mock, there's a chance that at least two or three of them will go in the early second round tomorrow morning. Um, and, you know, guys who are projected, in, in my opinion, to be in the second round will end up going in the first. That's just how it goes. Um, but I hope everybody enjoys the draft. It's a great event. The NHL puts on a good show. Nashville, they'll, I don't know if they'll boo. They'll probably boo Gary Bettman, but it'll just be like, you know, because we boo Gary Bettman. Without Gary Bettman, there'd be no Nashville Predators. So, like, I always find it funny when certain teams boo Gary Bettman. Like, if you're an Arizona Coyotes fan, Nashville Predators, Florida Panthers, Minnesota Wild, Vegas Golden Knights, or Seattle Kraken fan, and you boo Gary Bettman, you're kind of an idiot. Because, like, without him, there would be no team for you. But, um, yeah. And make sure you read up on all the stuff that we got going on for the draft. Um, I got that stuff at uh, the Windy City Puck Pros and PucksandPitchfork.com is where you can find all my um, hockey work. And then, of course, I'm still doing my Jags and my socks for Black and Teal and Southside Showdown, respectively. Skoke says, what a day, dudes. No doubt about it. I'm sure Frankie's going to predict what – Overall, each of the top 10 picks in the draft are going to be in their first year in NHL 24. Free idea for you. you know hey, I already did Bedard. It's not out yet, though, but it's pending. Hell yeah. Um, so, you know, that's all at apptrigger.com. Um, very much looking forward to all the stuff you put out in relation to this, too. It's going to be so great on top of your other great video game stuff. Um, and read Blackout Dallas. Frankie's girlfriend, G, she does great stuff at Blackout Dallas for Dallas Stars content. You could get all that. Make sure you read up on the Dallas Stars. They're going to have a great year next year. I think they're going to have a big couple days here trying to figure out what they need to get over the edge here too. Um, super, super excited about that stuff. Um, shout out to everybody who was in the chat. Skokes, Thomas Gage, Tom uh, Foster. We'll talk to you all very soon. Looking forward to um chatting with each of you guys hit us up during the draft frank and i'll be active on twitter um it's gonna be a great time so to the hawks fans enjoy connor bedard to everybody else enjoy whatever it is your team does um hope springs eternal at the 2023 nhl draft every team goes into this thing believing that they will make the next move that helps them become the stanley cup champions eventually and i hope that's the devils before everybody else as always thank you for listening